Welcome to the Mostly Potted at Night, Mostly. I am Salem, joined by my co-host, Graveyard. Hello. This is episode 42 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. Did someone order Italian? Join us as we go for round two with the Italian master of horror, Dario Argento. This week we'll be diving into some of his more memorable works, uh, Deep Red, Inferno, Phenomena, and Opera. Yeah, um, I, I mean, this is, we're still, I mean, we're still into the thick of his, his stuff, right? And, you know, he he is a, a good horror master, realist, realistically. <laughs> well, that's why the, he's the Italian master of horror, see? Yes, him and Fulci, but we haven't done Fulci yet. It's coming soon. No. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we have lots of <laughs> planned episodes. Okay, and we will start with a Deep Red, which is from 1975. Yes. Um, and it shows a little bit. There's a lot of uh, 70s fashion, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of 70s music. Yeah. Uh, a lot of 70s personality in this movie. It's uh, definitely 75. Is this the earliest one we've watched of his then? Uh, I believe so. I thought Tanabra was 77. Then we had Demons 1 and 2. Tanabra is like in the 80s. Yeah. Suspiria is 77. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Suspiria would be the the oldest one we watched before this. Yep. Um, And if we ever get to um, the, uh, the Animal Trilogy... Those yeah. are his earliest stuff. Well, not his early, earliest stuff, but the earliest stuff that we'll do, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they were basically right before Deep Red. Um, anyway, so I'll go right into it. Um, this plot does meander around quite a bit, so you have to forgive me if I get lost. His plots seem to do that. <laughs> oh, some of these, Some of these are all over the place, but... Um, that's okay. So, um, uh, during the, the opening credits, there's kind of, uh, flashes of like a murder, uh, at, at a home. Like we see like Christmas themed type stuff. We see a bloody knife and then we see like children's feet and stockings. Yeah. And that's, that's really it. I mean, it's just kind of a, an opening thing. It really doesn't matter until we get way later in the movie, but it does technically start with that. Um, and then later after that time. Um, they're basically in like a uh, an auditorium, uh, and there's like these two guys. I don't know what we'd call them handlers. <laughs> I don't know what they are like. Kind of like business type people. Well, this yeah. is what wasn't this a uh, council of like psychology? It's I don't. Said, it's said on there. I don't know what it was. I think they were there to. They're the, the lady because there's a lady between them. So it's these two guys and then a lady. And yeah. they're basically just proving that this lady has psychic powers. Correct. Um, and essentially, it's ba- all the people in the room are there are the people that are either like excited to see this or skeptics because they apparently invited everybody because they wanted to just prove that she could do it regardless of who it is with. Right. Um, so anyway, so. Yeah, she does like, you know, her magic psychic thing and she like, you know, picks out a couple of people from the crowd and tells them all the kinds of stuff about their past. And they're all like, oh, this is great. You know, she's you know, she really knows what she's doing. She really, you know, is psychic. I mean, she's a like, long key in your pocket. <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, so everybody's like, everybody's <laughs> impressed with her. Um, and then as she's scanning the room, all of a sudden she starts, you know, like, oh, oh no, you know, she she starts like going into kind of like a shock almost, you know, like screaming out. She's seeing basically blood and murder and bad evil stuff. Yeah. Um, so basically, somebody out in the audience is a killer. Um, and they don't know exactly who it is. We we see it through like you know his POV as Argento loves to do. Uh, we see it through his POV. He just like gets up and and well he or she we don't know at this point uh, gets up and and goes to like the bathroom while she's having her fit. Yeah. Um, and by the time they calm her down and they go look around, like the you know all the people that were in the general area she thought it came from, they're all gone. Um, so essentially, she. Um, you know, goes home to like, you know, kind of, you know, whatever, relax or, you know, get over it kind of thing. Um, and so she like, what she calls like a friend or something. I don't know what it is, but she's like calling a friend. And anyway, so somebody, the same person that she saw before, uh, breaks into her apartment and kills her brutally. Yes. Uh, a whole bunch of stabs and stabs, and then she's trying to get out, and he smashes her head through the window, and then, then like basically, just, like sticks her neck into the glass of the window. Um, and as he's doing that, this guy who's just kind of like walking down the street, who's like talking to his drunk friend on the street, uh, looks up and sees this murder happen. Um, and so he runs up there to see, you know, what he can see, and he goes in there. Um, and he finds the lady, you know, stuck on the glass. He, you know, pulls her body off, touches everything all over the crime scene, um, but doesn't see anything. Looks down, sees his drunk friend is still down there. And he sees a, a person in like a, a brown raincoat. I guess it looks just like a leather trench coat, but they keep calling it a raincoat. So. Yeah. Um, and anyway, you know, I, you know, with the hat and the gloves and everything. So you, it's like a, a dark silhouetted figure. You can't see anything. Um, but you know, but he, his, he does walk right past his friend. Um, so he goes, but you know, the lady's obviously dead. So he goes down to, to ask his friend, like, Hey, did you see that guy? And he's like, yeah, I saw a guy, but he's too drunk to like give him any details. Um, so he goes back up there and the police are there now. Um, and he, he talks to the police about, you know, he's like, yeah, I saw the murder happen. Um, you know, I, I went down to see if I could catch the person walking away cause they had this brown raincoat um then i you know i came back up and then now everybody's here right and and he starts and he he goes this is where he goes to the hallway of pictures right well this is this is right after that this is after he yeah, after he talks to the cops about everything um and we get the goofy like little comical thing of like this journalist just like strolls in yep. and just starts taking picture of everything and nobody stops her at all that is always like oh, oh this is so funny i don't get these police <laughs> like i know it's 19 <laughs> and i know it's 1975 but like everybody is walking all over the crime scene like and like nobody is trying to do any kind of detective work in any way whatsoever um so yeah so he basically like walks away from the cops and he starts talking to this journalist lady um and that's what he, he says he's like there's something off about you know like I, when i came in here before like something's missing and he's like looking around. He thinks it's like one of these paintings on the wall, but he's looking around and he's, he's like, you know, I, none of these look like they were moved or missing. He's like, but I feel like something changed. Something is different from when I came in here right after the murder to now. And I don't know what it is. 
Um, and so essentially, <laughs> he goes right. on. Yeah, I just had to mention because it does play a plot point. <laughs> I, was, I was getting to it. Oh, all right. Um, so at this point, um, the police exit the film. They're done. <laughs> yeah, they're done. They don't come back until way, way, way later. Um, so this this guy who is a pianist, his his job is literally he plays the piano. Um, he takes it upon himself to start investigating this crime. Italian PI, piano investigator. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> By himself. Like, I mean, he, he kind of sort of allows the, the journalist lady to help him for a bit, but yeah. like not for very long. Um, he, he tries to work with her at the beginning until he sees that she released a newspaper article about him saying that he was an eyewitness that saw everything, like literally with his face on the front page. He's like, why'd you, why'd you yeah. put my picture on the front page? Yeah, he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? So then he like, you know, he kind of cuts her out. He's like, whatever, I'm going to do this on my own. Yeah. Um, so he goes and he talks to his drunk friend again, goes and visits her at home. Um, his drunk friend isn't there, but his drunk mother is there. Um, and he talks to her and she's just like, she seems like she's got like dementia or something. She keeps like calling him the wrong name. She keeps saying, you're the engineer, right? You know, he's like, no, I'm a pianist. He has to say it like three times and she just doesn't get it. Well, in fairness, we don't know he's a pianist either because we never see him play a piano. Well, he really. said he's a pianist <laughs> at least multiple times. And this yes. literally the next scene is him <laughs> playing the piano. Yeah, so it's like we get there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, he, you know, he talks to his buddy, you know, Carlo. <laughs> trying to like get information. I don't know what, what information he's trying to get out of him, but he's trying to talk to him about, you know, what do you think about this whole thing? Yeah. You know, he's basically just, I don't know. I'm drunk, but that's it. So we cut to him. He goes home and he's, uh, you know, trying to write a new song, um, you know, cause he's a pianist, right? So he's trying to make yes. a new piano song. Um, and the killer breaks into his apartment who he hears them or he hears like weird music. It's like it sounds like like children's music. It's it's a I don't remember it is a certain song. I don't remember what the song was, but wow, it it's is, like some it's played some throughout German. The, yeah, it's like the yeah. German child's song. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah. So uh. Yeah. As, as this you know person is like sneaking around his house because he sees their shadow a couple times. Um. And he's like you know sitting there playing piano with one hand while he's got like a statue he's gonna attack him with in his other hand. Um, and then right when the killer is about to come in the room, the phone rings and it's like ridiculously loud. <laughs> but um, I think it's just trying to jump scare you. Um, so he jumps up and he like closes and locks the door um, and then gets on the phone and it's his uh, the, the journalist lady. Um, and I guess this phone scared the killer away because he leaves. <laughs> um, so he decides to to kind of work with the journalist lady again, like, you know, hey. Now I'm being murdered. I need some help. So I'll let you help me. So then he basically, you know, tries to, or I guess he must have recognized the song, the children's song, because the next scene is him walking. He went into like a music store and comes out with this like record of children's music. Um, And he goes to the two guys that were like the handlers for the psychic lady in the beginning. Um, And he basically says like, Hey, um, you know, the, this guy tried to kill me. It's the same guy that killed your psychic lady. Um, you know, she saw like weird, like childlike energy or something 
whatever it was. And he's like, and then this music was playing when he was trying to kill me. So there's some kind of weird child thing going on. You know, what do you guys know about? And so they tell him about some book um, that's about this haunted house, like a screaming child haunted house thing. Yeah. Um, And this part gets a little fuzzy for me. I actually watched it twice because I was trying to figure out how it jumped from this scene to the next scene. (laughs) Um, I guess. Okay. Now he talks about the book, right? And he says, okay, you should go check out this book. So he goes to the library and he checks out the book and he's like reading the book. And there's a picture of a house in this book. And so he rips the picture out of the book. And then the next scene is him talking to the journalist lady on the phone, talking about how he needs to go talk to this teacher lady. And for like the life of me, I could not figure out like, why is he trying to talk to this lady? Like, I was like, I guess, was she the writer of the book? I guess like yeah, I, yeah. That would, it would have yeah. been like a quick thing because he didn't say her name until after the book was shown. So like, you would have to like, remember the name on the book <laughs> and then the next scene to understand that she is the author of the book. Um, I guess it doesn't matter too much. I was just kind of confused at the time. I was like, I don't know I'm, how I'm this went. Up. Yeah. It says it, it literally says uh, he rips out the picture, planning to learn more from the book's author. So yes. Right. But again, it like, it, it's not like he doesn't go, Hmm, I should talk to this author of this book. No, nothing. Nothing like that. He just cuts to him. conclusion. Right. Yeah. It just it cuts to him talking. Like, we need to go find this lady. And I'm like, why? Like, who is this right. lady? Why are you looking for? Her? Um, I guess, you know, I just wasn't as detail oriented at that time. I guess, I, I guess if I would have seen the author's name, maybe I would have gotten it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Because he goes to this author's house, who, of course, lives like in a rural area somewhere. Yep. Um, and as he's on his way out there, the killer, uh, I don't quite know why he attacked her at this time, but again, where the plot is leading us here. So he attacks her and he fills up the bathtub with really hot water and then he drowns her in the hot water and like burns her at the same time. Like she's got all these like nasty, like blisters all over her face. Clearly Halloween too. Got that scene, <laughs> yeah. From the right. nurse's death, <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. It was like very similar to that. So, like, it basically, you know, then he, you know, stabs her, of course, for good measure, right? Um. So as she's like dying on the floor, uh, we see her like writing something in the mist on the wall because obviously all the hot water is making everything foggy. So we see her like write something. In Italian, I think she's it's she starts to say like it is or it was, but we yeah. don't see. Um, and so yeah, he gets the so the guy, the pianist guy gets there, finds her dead, like just casually starts looking around all through her house and stuff, and then leaves. And then he goes and talks to the other guys that he was talking to before, you know, basically saying, like, oh yeah, she's dead, that's a dead end. And then, like, later on, they're like, oh, well, you know, are you going to call the cops? And he's like, no, they'll find her tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, what is going on? Like, I just I don't think Argento likes cops very much. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think he wants them in the movie. So he doesn't he doesn't even bother, like, telling him he found another murder, you know, victim or anything. Now, is is this the movie that we could see where they're like the maids like I have to clean up all this blood. I don't want to be here after dark. Or is it another yeah. one? 
Yeah. No, yeah, that's it. But yeah, because that's how he gets in. Is he, yeah. he when he gets in there, the maid is there. No, no, right. sorry. This is the marketing the the, the business guy that he was talking to. He yeah. goes back to the house to like to see if he can find out anything, you know, because she's still there dead. Yeah. And then when he gets there, yeah, the maid is there and she had found the dead body and called the police, but the police aren't there yet. And she's in clean up the crime scene. <laughs> right. And she's trying to clean up the crime scene. So she goes in there and turns on the faucet for the hot water. Right. And he like starts to see something on the wall. So then he turns on the tub hot water and then he sees, oh, wait, no, the cops were there because it was it wasn't her body anymore. It was an outline. Yeah. Um, whatever. Yeah. So he was there afterwards. But yeah, it was right around the same time. Um, so he he sees the fog on the wall and he sees like he says it was you know, this other person, whatever. So he tries calling the pianist guy. He doesn't get an answer. Um, again, he doesn't bother calling the police <laughs> at all. And he just goes home and just sits down and like has a drink. Like, I don't know. Is he just waiting for the pianist guy to come home and he's to keep calling him once an hour? I don't know what the point of that was. Well, he called the real cop, <laughs> the real detective. The <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just saying like, okay, why don't you call the police? Like, you know who the killer is now. What, what are you doing? Uh, but yeah, so he just goes home and he just starts drinking. I mean, okay, he does get like a knife out because now he's like worried. Um, and then there's a very bizarre scene of this like automaton toy. I don't even know what to describe it as. It's like it's it's basically what's used in like the, all the marketing for the film, like the weird like child mask or toy mask that they use in all the advertising and stuff or the cover of the of the movie. Um, that's the that's the face of this automaton thing. Right. And um, we were we were discussing earlier that this is really where the jigsaw got the idea of the doll riding the tricycle from. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because it, it, it's got it's a, the same like white face. It's got like the weird like red cheeks. They're not quite the spirals that jigsaw has, rosy, but they're rosy, pretty yeah. close. Yeah, they're pretty close. And it's like got the freaky, like, you know, scary face and everything. And he's riding a tricycle, too, right? I don't know what he's doing. It's some kind of weird effect to where, like, his little legs are kicking, but, like, it's, he's, like, flying up like, towards him. I don't know what's going on. It's it's freaky, though. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. um, so this thing is flying up at him, and he swings at it, hits it with a knife, chops its head in half, and it's done, right? So, like, this automaton that's, like, all this marketing stuff is about is, like, the thing is literally in the movie for, like, two seconds. <laughs> Yep. And then it's gone. Um, and then as he's like going, oh, I guess I killed it. <laughs> I won. Of course, he gets attacked and killed <laughs> with his own knife by the real killer. First, his like mouth smashed in on like the fireplace mantle corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All and these then... deaths are brutal. Uh, yeah. These are not yeah. these are not easy deaths. Yeah. <sighs> um, and yeah, so at this point, uh, you know. The pianist guy doesn't have any more leads. So he's like trying to figure out, okay, well, I have this picture of this house. I need to find out where this house is. So he starts talking to like florists because <laughs> there's like some kind of plants in front of the house that I guess are rare or something. I don't know how he knows that, but he does. So he starts talking to all these florists and he's like, oh, yeah, this is a very specific type of plant only comes from one island. Nobody grows it here because it doesn't grow well here. Um, you know, like, you know, all these florists never did it. And then there's one florist that's like, oh, yeah, I did that at this specific house. Oh, yeah, that's a picture of it. Oh, yeah, that's that. You know, that's my house. Uh, here's the address. <laughs> um, so he goes there. Um, the house is for sale. It's been empty for a while. Um, so he gets like the landlord to give him the keys. 
Um, there's a weird kind of subplot of the landlord's daughter is like a budding serial killer. <laughs> She's like sticking pins through lizards and like watching them die. And <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And the dad gets real mad and like, you know, yells at her for it. I get this. This subplot goes nowhere, but it's very odd that it's even there. Um. Anyway, so he goes in this house. It's like an old beat up house. Um, and he's looking through it and he ends up finding, um, I guess, kind of a wall. It looks like somebody plastered over the paint that was on the wall before. Yeah. Um, and he finds a little bitty spot and it looks like a drawing, like a child's drawing is on the other side of it. Um, so he just starts like scraping all the plaster away. Um, and of course, this picture is like pristine <laughs> underneath all this plaster. Um, but it's essentially like a picture of a child holding up a bloody knife next to a Christmas tree. And there's a guy with like a big hole in his stomach with blood and everything everywhere. Um, so he's like, okay, like, you know, this is the house that the killing happened in. I need to go find out like whose house this was. Um, so he leaves. And as he leaves, we see another part of the plaster fall. And then there was another person there that he didn't see. That was all the way on the other side that has like an evil look on his on their face. Um, so he goes back to the landlord and he's, you know, he finds out that the previous guy was like just some like German guy. Um, and the people before that, he doesn't know because he didn't, you know, he hasn't been there that long. This, it was like at least 20 years ago. And he's like, okay. So he decides to, he works with, um, the journalist lady who's Gianna is her name. And they decide that they're going to go to this local school and look for, drawings because well, you know yeah the caretaker's daughter i assume drew a picture that was like exactly something like identical to the right well yeah it was plaster. right it was pretty much and he's like where'd you get this and she said she was like organizing something in the archives room and she saw that picture and so she liked it and copied it or something right um yeah so him and the journalist lady go to this school um and just break in casually <laughs> And then, um, you know, they're like looking through all the archives and stuff. Um, you know, there, of course, there's a, a nice archive cabinet named drawings. <laughs> so they're like, oh, look, see, it's not that bad. It's just this cabinet. So they start looking and then kind of like a off, um, you know, just kind of off the cover mark. He's like, hey, should we call the police? <laughs> <laughs> they're like. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and call the police. I guess, yeah, we could tell them where we are. I mean, like, this is after they broke into the school and after he, like, ignored murder victims <laughs> and has been just doing all this work on his own, not sharing any information with the police whatsoever. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Call the police. So she goes off to call the police um, and he finds the picture in the stack of pictures. Um, of course, he sees the name of who it is. Uh, he doesn't tell us who it is. Um, but he goes to, um, you know, find the girl. There's kind of like a, you know, little standoff kind of, you know, fight thing, whatever. Um, and then we find out that the person who drew the picture was his drunk friend, Carlo. Um, and then Carlo shows up with a gun this time. Um, and he basically says, oh, I can't I can't let you live now that you you know found out about me. Um, you know, so now I have to kill you. And he goes to shoot him. Um, and then, of course, the cops pop in the window and start shooting at Carlo. Um, Carlo runs away, but you know, they shoot at him a bunch of times, but they don't actually hit him. 
<clears throat> um, so he kind of gets away. So like, okay, now we know it's Carlo. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, <laughs> uh, but as Carlo runs into the street, um, he gets hit by, <laughs> or no, he doesn't get hit. Uh, uh, the garbage truck has like a bunch of cables hanging off the back of it. And they like hook his leg. Well, so first he like first he like gets sideswiped and like like he got caught in the side of a tr- moving train really fast and like got roughed up from the side and then got tangled up. I'm like, this is I don't know how he went from you know getting sideswiped essentially to that. Okay, well yeah, but yeah, so anyway, he gets hooked to the back of this truck um, and gets like dragged <laughs> down the street like for a while. Yeah, um, and he gets like yeah, they're like he gets swung into like poles and walls and all kinds of stuff. And eventually they find out he's there. But by that time he's already way dead. <sighs> and at this point they're like, okay, uh, you know, we found who the killer is, you know, everybody should be safe now. Um, you know, we're good. So then he goes back to the original, um, scene of the murder, the first murder, the psychic lady. And he's like, still like, I know there's something missing like there was a, there's another thing here you know something doesn't quite make sense and this is um i'll talk about this in a minute here um but basically he's like oh wait a minute you know when i looked out the window and i saw the killer leaving like carlo was there like i saw them at the same time yeah. so he's like it's impossible for carlo to be the killer or at least the only killer um, so he's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with back to the only other clue I could remember, which was this painting that I thought was off. Um, and as he's looking around and looking around, he figures out that it's not the painting that's off is there's a mirror. And what it was is when he walked past the first time, he thought it was a painting because a person's face was in the mirror. And then later on, he was like, oh, it's missing now. But what it was is the killer was still in the the apartment. And he saw their face in the mirror, but assumed it was a painting because, again, the whole hallway is like covered with just portraits of people's faces. So it didn't really make sense, you know, that it wouldn't be a painting. Um, So basically he goes, oh, my God, who is it? And then he gets attacked by Carlo's mom, (laughs) the, uh, the, uh, you know, seemingly, you know, old lady with dementia uh, comes after him and attacks him. um, And they basically find out that, yeah, she was like involved in the whole thing so carlo was the kid uh in the very beginning with the the sock standing next to the christmas tree um but it wasn't carlo that killed his dad it was his mom that kills his dad and then he picked up the bloody knife afterwards so like the picture of him holding up the bloody knife with his dad with a big hole in his chest and then again on the far left side of it is his like evil looking mom which is what um, the pianist did not see because, again, he didn't go that far with the plaster. We didn't see that until after he walked away. Right. So, yeah, she attacks him. Um, they have like a kind of, you know, fight back and Scuffle. forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, she ends up getting her necklace stuck in an elevator. Like it's one of those old school, like, you know, uh, cage elevators. And her necklace gets stuck in the elevator and then he hits the button for the elevator to go up and the elevator goes up and literally decapitates her with her own 
necklace because their necklace looks like a chainsaw blade to be fair like I don't, yeah pretty i'm much. not i'm not surprised <laughs> that they cut through her neck because it looks like a chainsaw blade but yeah it essentially cuts through her neck and uh uh you know yeah she's dead decapitated yep um so yeah so then uh that's it and then that everybody had standing room yep um and yeah, I'll just say it right away. I mean, this is the first time I've seen it. I'm, I think it's the first time you've seen it too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm watching all these, movie, all these movies are new to me. Yeah, I'm like I'm watching this, and I'm like, man, like like who do I think it is? And I kept going back to, ah, man, I think it's got to be Carlo, right? He's like the only person that they keep like going back to that doesn't have a purpose in this movie. Like, there's no reason for him to be here at all. Um, but again, I always went back to, no, he looked out the window. He saw the killer and Carlo at the same time. It can't be Carlo. Right. And then again, when they were talking, like, you know, when Carlo showed up at the school and I'm like, okay, then it's can't be only Carlo. (laughs) He has to have a partner because again, he saw them at the same time. I'm like, I don't think he's going to do like the, oh, it was smoke and mirrors trick because it doesn't make sense at this point. Um, but yeah, I was just very confused. So like, yeah, I thought it was maybe Carlo, but again, that whole scene of like, no, you know, he sees them both at the same time. It can't be. Um, so yeah, that does, I mean, threw me off the whole time. I, obviously that was the main point of it, but right. And like, I mean, how how are you going to guess the the killer? I mean, she like makes, makes an appearance like literally twice in the whole movie and she just acts like a drunk, crazy lady. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I gotta say though, for and something that I noticed while watching um all four of these is that we seem to think that the the main protagonist is a woman in all of these, and eventually it goes, Nope, it's a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, there's a couple of them that just keep switching main characters. Uh-huh. And you're like, who is the main character? Like, this, what is the, ne- the next one we're doing is Inferno, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Inferno is like, who is the main character? <laughs> Quit switching characters because they keep <laughs> doing that. You know, it's like one person's the main character, and then they just cut, and then it's another person for a while. And they cut, and then it's another person for a while, and they don't go back to the other person. It's just, it's done. It's like, they're just, they moved on. It's like, what is going on? Yes. Um, again, it does make them interesting. It does make them more rich. It keeps you more involved. Because you have to like actually think about what's happening. You I mean, to, like it, pay attention. I mean, Grant, like in, in all of these, his uh, cast of characters isn't very big, and so there leaves very little people left alive by the end of it. You right. I mean, well, and and usually the killer is not one of those people. But I mean, it's a person that has shown up in the movie, but they're like a very minor character. So like you can't really like you don't have enough information about this other people to like say it was them, right? Because like they were literally in like a scene. <laughs> like, well, how the hell was I supposed to know? You're not supposed to know. That's the it's not the point of the movie. Like if they kind of play off as mystery. Like this one, it kind of plays off like a mystery, right? But it's really not. Because it's like you're not given clues to figure it out. <laughs> you just, you don't figure it out until the end. Uh, it's it was kind of like Tanabra's the same way. Yeah. So well, yeah, there was like there's things happening, and then you're like, oh, that was it? No, <laughs> that can't be it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's there's these clues that we found that make it can't be it, and then they show you why, and it's yeah, it's just kind of his pattern, I guess. 
But I mean, oh, overall, I mean, we'll, we'll get into highlights. But I mean, this wasn't a bad movie. And, and no, not at all, not at all. And once again, just like last time we did this, very pleasantly surprised by all four of these that show that you know we kind of missed out in 70s and 80s italian horror especially well, from argento well yeah but i mean to be fair this stuff is not easy to find i mean you'd have to get no. deep into the racks to find that and you know being at a regular um you know like a video store right <laughs> like yeah. you're not gonna just find argento stuff there like i didn't hear the name argento until i was older and i got into a lot of like you know other deeper horror stuff um yeah. but yeah back then yeah i didn't nope <laughs> well even even now luckily between shutter and um amazon prime we we're able to to watch these and you know luckily because you know usually it's dubbed in, you know italian first but you know, these are shutters great enough to be able to provide the essentially the English dubs of these things. Well, maybe most of them were done in English. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it was like early, early stuff was probably just pure Italian. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I think Suspiria and then after because Suspiria is kind of a, a mix of of languages. Like there's people that speak German, there's people that speak Italian, there's people that speak English. It's kind of a, a, a mix of them. But I think everything after that is mainly English. But yeah, some of them are dubbed over, I think, because the people had really thick Italian accents. Um, and so they wanted them to be like more normal-ish sounding. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is. It, it definitely is to me, well, so we'll get to the range, but just for saying right now, definitely worth. Um. A rewatch even just just be just because there's so much more to it it is a you have to pay attention type movie besides a really one-off subplots that each of these seem to kind of have like these one-off stories just to seemingly make it longer and these are almost two hours each yeah i don't i don't think it's necessarily in there to keep it longer i think it's just in there to, to add some spice to it you know just a little bit extra you know what i mean like you're getting just you know kind of interesting subplot things that are you know and not everything is driving the plot forward right sometimes it's just interesting stuff yeah but well, let's get into your highlights for this movie um highlights for this one is um as it is for like most of his movies is the music oh yeah um this one is it's it's interesting because it is very 70s heavy like you know, as most of his stuff is like, you know, character is just kind of going about their own business. Right. You know, it's, you know, just whatever, reading a book, <laughs> you know, starting a bath, whatever. And it's very calm and there's like no background music. No, nothing's happening. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, like a song starts playing really loud. And it's usually like a very loud, fast paced song. Like, you know, later on, it was like, you know, heavy, <laughs> yeah, like heavy metal stuff, you know, like whatever it is. It's like something crazy is happening, but the characters are not doing anything crazy. They're still doing their normal, you know, run of the mill activities. And anyway, and the, the music in this one has got a very, very 70s heavy vibe to it, like that really heavy bass. You know, oh, that yeah. really, really heavy 70s boom, boom. vibe. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, oh, yeah, boom. exactly. <laughs> it's 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 fantastic. Um, oh, but yeah, no, yeah, I love the music in this. Um, I mean, there's there's a little bit more, um, obviously, because the guy's a pianist. So there's like some 
you know, piano music and then the goofy, yeah. I don't know, German nursery rhyme, whatever that was. They played that it a song lot. was awful. Yeah, that song was not <laughs> great. But um, yeah, the rest of the music, like the actual like, you know, uh, you know, like death scene music was th- that was pretty cool. I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I again, I like the um, <laughs> that automaton, even though it only was in it for like, you know, two seconds or three seconds or whatever it was. That thing was awesome. <laughs> It was like yeah. fantastic and scary as hell. I don't know what like. OK, so we know it was either Carlo or his mom doing that. Right. What the, what the hell does that have to do with anything? <laughs> what is that toy automaton even from? Distraction. I, <laughs> I guess know. I guess they were going with the whole like he's a childlike murderer. So toys are childlike, I think, is the vibe they were going for. Um. I don't know. It's just so bizarre and odd. And the way that it just like flies at the camera with his little legs kicking. <laughs> it was, it was, it was the high point. I, I, I loved it. Um, and yeah, the, the, I would say the, uh, just the, the, the mystery atmosphere of it was interesting. It, like I said, it's like a mystery story. Um, but it's really not a mystery. You can figure out. <laughs> like there's, there's no, there's no clues that you were getting. That's going to help you figure out who it is before the end. Uh, you're not going to get it. It's just not it's just not a thing that you can do but you think you can yeah and so you're trying to gather information but it's just uh, yeah there's not enough there yeah i mean for, for me once you had yeah, the music because i were was it goblin at this point in time or was that later um no i was goblin but again yeah. I, I think this is early 70s goblin or <laughs> like of course everybody's using that that 70s bass at the time yeah right? yeah we'd call it almost porno music at this point in time well that's just 70s music yeah 70s music is people assume it's all porno music which to be fair it does but it's it's always like every action like think of any 70s tv show and it's that same type of music too that like that yep yeah that is is very 70s yeah i mean yeah it's he even even in this atmospherically great you know he I'm like he takes really i think he really is either lucky in his scouting process to see where he's shooting or has that much of an eye for that atmosphere i think he just has an eye i think it was i think it was not only him i think it was a lot of the people he was working with at this point in time yeah um that yeah i think he just had a lot of things going for him and that's why he is again why they call him the master of italian horror is he just yeah he had a great eye for it he could you know find those scenes and and you know record them you know as well as he did yeah and we'll we'll talk obviously for the very next one too it's even better but mm. i mean it's still like i said music and which is the last time his his atmosphere his style his everything is on point like he crafted this pretty well and has this formula pretty set up in his stuff that we've watched so far. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, and I think this is the one that really like, you know, piqued a lot of people's interest. Mm-hmm. Um, Suspiria is really the one that, that made him who he is, or at least on, in the Western world. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one is really what put his name in the jar. Right. And then <laughs> this one put his name in the jar is like, Oh, people are like, okay, that's interesting. But yeah, Suspiria was the one that blew him away. And that was the one where, you know, he really earned his, his chops, but I think this one's just as good, honestly. Yeah. Uh, what are your low points? Uh, low points is kind of like on the same themes. Well, one is the police. 
<laughs> like what is happening with the police in this movie like how do you how do you not tell them like oh i found a dead lady i'm gonna go tell anyone else except for the police that i found this dead body like he doesn't even give a reason why just like yeah whatever they'll find him tomorrow right like that's it like okay i mean he like walks into a crime scene like he's the detective he's a pianist like he has no detecting skills at all and like the police are completely useless um, and again, they're just not even there for most of this movie. Like all the things that he's doing with investigations and shit, if he would have been working with the police, it would have went like 10 times faster. Yeah. But but no, he had to do it all on himself. It was just, it was just very odd. And it, like, again, they needed like a shootout scene. So they called the cops after they broke into the school right. and the cops came in through the window instead of coming in through the front door, of course. Um, well, at this point, they're probably saying, someone actually called us. All right. <laughs> like, what's happening? Um, so, yeah, just the police and then the whole, like, um, impossible mystery thing. I mean, you can't figure it out. It's just, it's not right. possible. Um, I don't, I mean, again, it's okay. <laughs> but it's like, as when I was watching it, I was like, man, who is it? Um, yeah. I'm, and that's very fair to these movies that we're really watching this this week is, yeah, you can't. There's no way to figure it out. Zero chance. Right. Yeah, this, you're not you're not just not given enough clues. Yeah, it just right. doesn't happen. So I mean, yeah, he's he's lacking in that aspect for sure. Well, I, that, I to be fair, I don't think that he wasn't making a mystery. <laughs> you know? No. He was just he was, but I mean what he did, he made a, a great horror movie, right? I mean, that's what he was aiming for and that's what he did. Right. Um but yeah, the rest of this stuff is yeah, he wasn't aiming to do a mystery movie, even though it kind of became like a murder mystery, but right. Yeah. Um, you know, so for uh, out of 10 this week, we are doing ceremonial daggers because there's some sort of dagger in most of these movies. Um, just so that's what we're picking for out of 10. So how many would you, how many ceremonial daggers out of 10 would you give this movie? Uh, this movie deep red. I will give eight ceremonial daggers out of 10. Eight. Eight. Yeah, I mean it's pretty damn good. Um looking at the rest of this list and I'm trying to figure out which ones I like more than the others to get my rating here. Uh no, it is a pretty solid I'll, I'll agree, eight. Ceremonial daggers out of ten for me as well. I mean it just really we saw like that good introduction to Argento for anyone that hasn't seen them from this being the earliest movie. This, if you're going to start here, this is so far a fantastic starting point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, this one is, I mean, again, if I was giving, you know, people, okay, this is what you should start with. It would probably be this. Um, if you want to jump right into something that's extremely well-known, go for Suspiria, which is the next movie he made right after this one, um, right. which is again, you know, everybody knows that name. Well, in the horror, so in horror circles, they all know that name. Um, but yeah, so I'd say, yeah, either Deep Red or Suspiria. But if I had a choice, I would probably tell him to go Deep Red first. Yeah. All right. Um, and next, we're doing Inferno. Inferno. <laughs> Which is uh, what? 1980. 1980. Yes. All right. 
Yes. So we'll just throw this out here right now. It this movie is the second of the three mothers story trilogy. Um, we have to wait, you know, I think what, 27 years for the third one after this one. Yeah. Well, yeah. The first of which being Suspiria, Suspiria. and then this one. And then, yeah, he's like, ah, I don't need to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it could, so even in that vein, it's considered a successor to Suspiria. And I'm throwing this right off the bat. It really shows because the the color scheme is very reminiscent of Suspiria. So it seems like a next natural progression after Suspiria. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that same use of color where it's like heavy color use, like certain rooms are like are like skewed very heavy into one color. Um, there's a lots of like colored lighting and stuff like that. But yeah, very much um, like Suspiria, very much atmosphere, just like Suspiria. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we are we start um, off with Rose, right? And she's starting to read and open the book about the three mothers. Um, and you know, she, this, she uses like the world's biggest letter opener <laughs> to open like the front first page of the book. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Do yeah. I don't know what's happening there. It was like, yeah, the first like two pages were stuck together and she had to like cut them to open it. But it was like a really old book. So I was like, uh, right. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know. Maybe they were just stuck together. I don't know. Also, she sits in the weirdest possible way, kind of upright, leaning against a chair instead of in the chair reading the book. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes ladies sit funny and that's okay. Yes. Yeah, so, and we have prefaced this takes place in New York. This so part of it have, does, yes. Yeah. I mean, a, a majority, I mean, so the idea of the three mothers is there's one in Germany, which is what we got for Suspiria, one in New York, which we get in this one. And we start she starts reading this. And it's it's in uh Latin. So we're getting like a voiceover for kind of reading it a little bit. And the third one is in Italy. And it took twenty seven years for him to make the one in Italy for the Italian filmmaker. Right, yeah, which is <laughs> ironic, I suppose. Yeah. So um she's essentially reading about uh an alchemist it was written by an alchemist who's talking about the three mothers who are also sisters and kind of like the uh the three hags of time where were the the three keepers of time the three women well there yeah i mean there's all kinds of different three sisters out there there's like the three yeah. sisters the uh the stars there's the yeah. uh the three sisters in, in like pagan mythology which is right um yeah the crone the mother and the maid yeah yeah i mean so, yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of them <laughs> there's a lot of right. three women figures but yeah one of those anyway so we this is when we actually get more knowledge about the three mothers um essentially we find out the mother of size is the one that's living in germany which we've already been introduced to in suspiria mm-hmm. um we found out that the mother of tears is the rome one which is where we get the last trilogy one and was the mother of darkness. Yeah. Is in New York. Um, she starts reading kind of all these clues. Like, you know, we learn about the first key. The second key is beneath the soles of your feet. Um, so first and foremost, I want to say that for a poet in New York, world's biggest apartment. I mean, there's not apartments 
that gigantic in New York that someone that's a poet can rent. Let's face it. Uh, I guess it is an old house or old apartment too. So they always they always point that out too. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I uh, guess they they also talk about in that book is he was an architect and he designed like their like castle buildings. Which right. is where, which is where the the three mothers live. They all have like their little castle building. Right. The dance school in Suspiria was one of them. Right. And, and they're then, trying to figure out where this other one is. Right. And she doesn't know for certain. Right. Right. Um. But, you know, we'll find out later on what it is, and we will have to wait till we get to the next Argento to see what you know the mother of tears lives in. Um. So anyway, she starts writing to her brother Mark, kind of saying. Hey, I'm reading about these mother tears. I'm kind of looking at these clues, and um, yeah, and she's like, "You have to come visit me." So she's very, very disturbed by whatever she's reading. I don't know if we ever get context because it's only read like the first sentence of the note that she writes every single time. Um, so she seems to be very deep into this lore of this book, um, to the point that she goes to the antique shop. Kazanens or something like that mm-hmm. and um knocks on the door it's like i want to say it was like 1 a.m is probably very very late and you know she gets the shop owner and he's like oh you know this is you know this is all fake you know, only a woman would believe stuff like this you know they're the worst of the readers for that this type of stuff or best however you want to look at it <laughs> <laughs> his quote not mine <laughs> <laughs> um she's like i need to know about this you know these clues like there's this weird smell in here it's like oh that's from the cake factory you get used to it if you've been here as long as i have the smell's always been here you know so you just get used to it you know so kind of like a sweet-ish smell but yet like moldy and rotten at the same time i would say would you agree that i mean well yeah they're well they're yeah they're saying bitter sweet yeah so right. they're describing it the k of death with cakes yeah <laughs> right yeah so it's like yeah it's like yeah the stench of death with <laughs> I don't know, honey and cinnamon on it I don't know. right um but yeah this guy has two crutches he's kind of obviously he has walking issues but he's like all right it's like get the hell get the hell out of my shop which he invited her in just to tell her that then say okay get out <laughs> yep um so she see and we get a very New York alley, but not quite where there's like a, what a seven foot grate that is there that she's able to open and then steps. It's like one of those attic ceiling drop downstairs where you, like you open it and the stairs come down, but going beneath New York. And, you know, she just goes down there because she's trying to investigate whatever the hell's in there. Um, So she's kind of, using the clues in the book, you know, okay, beneath the soles of my feet. She's just kind of like, would you say it's kind of like a collapsed area where there's like huge holes filled with perfectly clear water? Well, yeah, uh, but that that's far, that's farther in. When she first gets in there, um, the first like room, it's like a big room. Yeah. Uh, it really reminds me of like the kind of like, downtrodden beat down like old music venues in the city like mm, where like yeah. punk where like punk shows are so like yeah. there's there's enough room for people to get in there but the place looks like it's falling apart 
Right. That's what it looks like. But it's like uh, like a rundown one of those, or like a bunch of like old furniture with spider webs and stuff all over it in there. Uh, but it really reminds me of like one of those like you know old music venues where you have to like go down some creepy stairs to get into. I mean, uh, shows are there. Well, yeah, like the green room. That's so I was like, where the green room would take place. Exactly, <laughs> it wasn't on a farmhouse. Wow, <laughs> correct. Um. So yeah, then she kind of just goes through there, and then yeah, that's where she sees like the ballroom, I guess, and she's just trying to look into the water to see if she can see anything, and then her keys fall into the water and get kind of tangled up and she's trying to reach in there her hands almost there and she goes you know what i should just take off my shoes only and then go into this perfectly clear water um and she kind of sees her she goes completely submerged sees her keys tries to reach in for them they get fall down even farther and she's just kind of like in this whole other room there's like candelabras there's chairs and there's a door somehow swinging open underwater, which apparently doesn't work that way. Uh, but she goes, okay, now they're even farther. So she has to go up, take a deep breath, and she like hold her breath for like five minutes at a time, it seems like. Maybe she was like an Olympic swimmer or something. Maybe, maybe. But like I said, perfectly clear water. And she's, you know, she goes down and starts exploring a little bit more. And then we get like a jump scare where the rotting corpse just happens to be there and kind of like she's stepping out and hitting it, it seems like partially attacking her in some way it's just poking like it, her it's just poking her poke poke yeah. she's screaming she gets her keys okay okay if you were <laughs> underwater and something was poking you and you and you looked and saw that it was a hand and a dead body you would be upset too true but i would never be underwater so I mean, well uh, yeah, I wouldn't dive underwater in a basement of a New York City building that's like at least a hundred years old. Right? No well, way. Here, here's the thing that we'll throw this plot point out right now. Considering the landlord has extra sets of keys to the apartment, there's no reason for that. Because <laughs> we find that later out when when in the in the plot. Well, yeah, but uh, you, yeah. you don't want to lose your keys. I mean, if I lost yeah. my keys, I would try to get them back. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so she leaves her shoes there after getting her keys. Um, and she goes back to her apartment and she's here, you know, the immediately suspicious of she hears people talking. So she kind of she's trying to call the elevator, which is like one of the oldest elevators I've ever seen. And so she's kind of hiding from the people talking and like and we get this very very green and very very red atmospheric stuff so like i said very atmospheric to suspiria with different color tones so almost classic architecture too right like very old school like the shining type hotel areas um so uh i think that's that's not what. No, it's not what. Is that what happens next, or does she? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. Well, yeah, she does her like. Well, because it it, yeah, it cuts her off before it cuts to Rome. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we get into a music class where 
we get either the 20 year old or 40 year old Mark, her brother. <laughs> Can't tell with his haircut and his stash how old is he is, but he's a music student and like a hundred people in that all listen to the song that the professor is playing and they're trying to read the music and study the song. And some woman appears, you know, or his friend appears seemingly late to class. And now not talking because they're trying to figure out what's going on there. And the market's very distracted by shadowy eyed girl with cat who doesn't have headphones on and isn't paying attention to anything going on in the music class. That is very Italian. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's he has his note from his letter from his sister and he's starting to read it like the first sentence. He seems to be deeply disturbed. And then um, she kind of goes Carrie ish on him, staring at him, petting her cat. And he starts getting this uneasy feeling. Wind starts blowing, winds open. And he we get the point of view from over his shoulder to the back of his head for a while, back and forth between her him over the shoulder and just him feeling like very, very uneasy. And he seems to be deeply disturbed by whatever's in the note, which I just, once again, I don't think we ever get told what's in there. No. Yeah. I mean, basically it's like, Hey, come to New York. And then I think she goes on to, to talk about the things that she discovered. But again, we don't really get to see that. And neither does he, to be honest. No. Um. So then, you know, he, he's starting to class is kind of gone. He tries to go after, uh shadow eye shadow eye girl and she's just like gone um he leaves his note and his friend i don't remember is it sarah yeah yeah um she's like oh you know mark you you left this note here oh well and then it's heavy heavy downpour and she's going somewhere and then she starts to kind of read the letter and she's clearly disturbed by whatever it is. She's like, okay, I got to go. Um, she's like going to bring it to Mark, I believe. And then she's like, okay, I have to go to the library and see what the hell's going on about this three mothers book. And for this arcane, seemingly hard to find antique book, the library happens to have it at whatever time it is at night. Well, I think, uh, I think she goes there specifically because she knows they have really old books. Okay. Yeah, and so she um, starts to, you know, she goes, there's people in the library, she's trying to find it, talks to the librarian, he's like, oh, the book's right behind you. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> so um, she takes it, and she's like, all right, he's like, rings a bell, like, we're closing, time to leave. And she's like, ready to just take the book, so it seems like a library that you can't check out books, like, you have to stay there and read. Um so she is kind of hiding from the librarian who's closing up. She takes the book and kind of sees an exit, but goes down like I would say a great stone staircase, like you'd find in a castle. Fair. And yeah. she stumbles. Stumb she's trying to find her way out. She stumbles upon essentially an alchemist's lab. Was, was that that's the best way well, I can describe it? Yeah, an alchemist <laughs> lab from like the Middle Ages. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We're not talking a modern <laughs> alchemist lab. No, we're talking like Middle Ages, like complete with a monk in a robe. That's what right. And just like. boiling pots and just like cauldrons and all this stuff, like of like porridge, it almost looks like. Um, and she's like, hey, I'm trying to find the eggs. Like, other door. <laughs> okay. And then he sees in the mirror. 
that she has a three mothers book. He's like, oh, and goes to attack her. Um, she's gonna try to shove her face in the boy and cauldron. She drops the book, which was seemingly okay, and that was a distraction enough. Um, and she starts running away and she gets caught on the door trying to escape through one of her one of these doors. He almost catches her. She's able to get through and she escapes back into her apartment. Um, well, before she finds Carlo in the elevator is just some random dude. <laughs> yes, like, I'm afraid. Please come in my apartment with me. I can't be alone tonight. Okay, which is interesting <laughs> because one, Carlo is the same Carlo from Deep Red. And two, Carlo is that guy's real name. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Carlo can't answer to any other name but Carlo. So whenever he's in possible. a movie, yeah, whenever he's in a movie, his name has to be Carlo. All right, Carlo, you're going to be someone else. Can I just be Carlo? <laughs> I'll be a different character, but my name's Carlo. Right. So, and, you know, her blouse was torn. He just just stares at her breasts very creepily, like right next to her. And, just, and she's like, I don't want to be alone. Come join me, creeper. Okay, I have nothing to do for a few hours. <laughs> um, yeah, so he is there she's like oh i just need you to stay i just need you to stay until mark comes over she's calling mark say hey i got your letter you need to come here immediately uh power starts flickering on and off and carl's like don't worry i got this where's the fuse box you know she's playing music you know she says you may have heard this one before and then we start seeing love figure starting to come off the heads of paper uh, a trip line of paper people and cut off their heads and you get like a hanging scene or is that something else um this yeah yeah no right? the paper thing yeah i don't think anybody yeah. was hanging though no um so you know she's like oh and carl like don't worry i think i got it and she goes there and all of a sudden he's like comes out with a knife all the way through his neck. <laughs> yep. Uh, still, str- still alive, and like falling on her, and str- you know, climb on her for help, and she just can't get off of him. Uh, and then so uh, she kind of goes through and tries to escape, and then she gets stabbed in the back. Right. And then she doesn't get. Uh. Oh, is this where she get? This is where she gets uh, guillotine, right? No, that isn't her. Are you sure? Yeah, I thought it was her. No, right. Well, right. Okay. So what happens is, oh, is, this yeah, is she Rose gets. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, she gets, she gets stabbed. stabbed. Yeah, he pulls the knife out of the dude's neck, stabs yeah. her in the back, and then we cut to Mark coming into the apartment. And then there's this weird scene of like this fabric is like draped over the hallway. Yeah. And then she like claw- Sarah claws through the fabric and falls dead in front of Mark. It, it's it's like a mixture. It's not the pa- Japanese paper doorways, but yeah, it's like a weird fabric. Right. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if it was like put there for effect or what. I don't know, but it, it looks like it was just like, there for effect. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a wall. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what happens, but then it like cuts to Mark going, "Oh, that sucks." Yeah. Hey, hey, look! Here's some pieces of my sister's <laughs> um, yeah. thing, and then it like literally cuts to him back home talking to his sister on the phone. Yes. So he's like, "Oh no." Anyway, <laughs> and he just leaves yeah. and then he's talking to her on the phone and then the connection's really bad and she can't he can't understand what she's saying. All he can hear is that she says, you need to come to New York. You need to come. To New oh, York. that's what it's like the same night. Right. But yeah. in in New York, which I'm sorry, I don't think it's nighttime the same time in New York and not New York. In well, these exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but okay. then it then it cuts back to Rose and then that's. yeah. Go yes. On. OK, so, yeah, she. Well, she sees people enter her apartment and then she starts going through like all of underground New York. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. Like, oh, let me just go through these 20 different causeways and pedways and and stuff like that. And she's being followed this entire time. Um, And then she's looking by. uh, She's like in this old place and also the hands come out from like through a window, I would say. Mm-hmm. and claws these are like creepy claws right yeah they look like lizard man hands <laughs> right so um it's like scratching her face and like oh there's this we call it like a metal shutter i don't know what it was supposed to be um, i think it was, it was just, i think it was just supposed to be a piece of glass it, it wasn't but i think it was supposed to be Okay, because I think I think they like were basically yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. It did not it did not seem like glass, but I think it was supposed to be. Because I think it was painted to be kind of the color of like frosted glass, but it was definitely okay. not glass. But yeah, yeah, it was. So they essentially it was like whatever it was painted to look like a glass guillotine. Is, is what it yeah, is. and then it took multiple chops of that to decapitate. Right. Yes. Um, anyway, then Mark happens to show up in uh, New York to her apartment, um, and we meet a nurse with an elderly gentleman who can't seemingly talk, and you know, he meets the landlady, and he goes, hey, I need to go visit my sister. Oh, she's on floor four, room 49 or something like that. Here's the keys. Are you going up? Are you going up? Um, so he meets... This nurse caretaker is like, oh, he likes you. And he's like poking at his like portfolio. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So uh, he goes there. He goes into the, you know, unlocks the door. Oh, uh, something to note that her inside glass doorknob was broken. She had cut Rose had cut her hand on it. So we see that happen. So she's bleeding, and then Mark almost cuts himself as well. Um, all of a sudden, she starts hearing a voice coming from like everywhere in the in the apartment. Um, and he opens the door, and it's our this is a, this is Daria, yeah. That's in every movie. Yeah, Daria yeah. Nicolodi, or yeah, because yeah, she's like basically Argento's partner for like all of the eighties. Yeah. Well, all of, yeah. all of his good movies. She's essentially his partner for all of his good movies. I think right. she, her first appearance is in Deep Red, and uh, yeah. her last appearance is in um, Opera. Right. So it's like what t- a twelve year span. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, he, she's what seemingly sick. They don't say what she has, but she's like, Oh, my husband's out of town. You know, I'm her friend. She is talking about this book and they start talking about it. And then like her care, she's like, Oh, I'm just waiting for a phone call. And then like her Butler, cause you know, these apartments are big enough. They need butlers and maids. Um, and she's well, like, to be fair, she's a countess. Okay. She is very, very rich. And like, she's, she's, Go there and she's like sees marks on her feet. She's like, oh, it's not blood, it's paint. Oh wait, it was blood. And you know, they see blood stains from her cutting herself on the doorknob. Um, and we get a little bit of backstory about the you know the countess and her deep guy who's running her bath. Um, and she's like, okay, you can leave. Uh, and then Mark starts to follow the blood trail essentially. Mm-hmm knowing that his sister was there and he what happens he he just seems to like get not like knockout gassed <laughs> uh yeah essentially <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah he, he like goes through like the 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 weird area that rose was in yeah when she got attacked and he gets in there and then yeah he essentially gets amnesia gas or whatever <laughs> and falls right. down yeah um and then the countess happens to see him getting kind of uh dragged away uh and then what she starts getting chased and she gets she gets what there's there's a lot of cats in this yeah (laughs) um yeah and then she what seemingly gets attacked by cats and then stabbed Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's essentially. I, I'm trying to she remember. Gets, she what gets happens. attacked by cats, right? And then, as she's being attacked by cats, they, she gets stabbed to death. Yeah. Um. So Mark gets staggered and like, oh, it's his heart. Get him the heart medicine. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the next oh. morning, he wakes up and he's like, oh, I don't remember what happened at all. And she's like, oh, it was your heart. He's like, I don't I have, have a heart, heart problem. problem. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, it's okay. We gave you heart medicine. What? Yeah, I would have been like, "What do you mean, heart medicine? What does that mean? What are you giving me?" But no, oh, he's just only, like, "Okay, there's only one heart medicine." I, yeah. I guess I, I don't know. He's just like, "All right, okay." Yeah, Mark's not very bright <laughs> in this. I would say. Um. So anyway, he gets found out that you know the antique, uh, Casaninians. Uh, um, finally sold the book, starts talking to him, and uh, essentially he says, No, I got nothing for you. It's just you know, all this is just a old wife's tale, essentially, just a story from a crazy man. None of this is real, and it seems like he seems to know what's going on, hasn't it? Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably read all the books. I'm assuming he had like multiple copies of the three mothers, I'm assuming he's probably read it, right. And then he goes, you know, oh, by the way, there's me Eclipse of the Moon tonight. You should check it out. Right. Which only comes to play for what's coming up next. Uh, they do focus on the moon a lot in this. Kind of opening shots of the moon, like zoom in on the moon, kind of at the beginning and kind of at the end. Um, anyway, we then we follow Kazan in a bit. He's surprisingly doesn't have the most luxurious apartments in New York. He just kind of lives in the shop. Yeah, he lives in like the boiler room. Right. <laughs> <in his own laughs> shop. 
Oh, anyway, he finds out you know, there's more cats. Cats keep knocking those over his stuff. He talks to the whole, the the landlord of the apartment. Like, oh, they're disgusting. She's like, do something about it, which I don't know what she's supposed to do about it, but okay. Um, he's just an old man bitching at whoever's nearby. Yeah. So he's he's finds a cat, picks it up, and starts scratching him. So he knocks it unconscious. And you find out he's a bag full of cats. Um, and he goes, okay, I'm going to go drown it in, I guess, Central Park? I don't know. The swamp? <laughs> the I, I, New York swamp? I have no right. idea where this is supposed to right. be. Um, so, yeah, he's trying to drown him. He's, like, in, like, ankle-deep water. He's like, oh, this would be good enough. And starts shoving it into the water with his crotch, which, look, oh, this isn't deep enough. And in the background, we see the world's late... Oh, Open latest hot dogs, uh, food truck. <laughs> right. Now, okay. Now here, here's the thing. This is the best part of the movie. Yeah. This is by far the best part of the movie. So he's trying to drown these cats in like, you know, an inch deep of water, which is not right. happening, but the, the cats just keep squealing louder and louder and louder. Yeah. So he, he keeps going deeper and deeper into the swamp to try to find water deep enough to put the cats in. <laughs> So he finally finds a spot deep enough. He pushes the cats under, which is horrible. But then he falls over in the water. Which and, is not even halfway up his body. Right. Falling over. Right. He falls over in the water. But because his legs don't work, he can't get out because he loses his crutches. Right. And the um, rats start shooting on him. He goes, <laughs> right. help, help. And then the hawk dog vendor comes out with a knife, starts charging you know, and he couldn't see him at first well, because of the eclipse. Well, here's the here's the thing. He's like, help me, help me. I'm being eaten alive by rats. Okay. They focus on the hot dog guy. He goes like, oh, this is my time to shine. I'm the hero, right? right? He yeah. grabs his hot dog knife and he starts running down there. There's like this long scene of like him yeah. running, running, running. Like, oh, he's going to come and save this old man. He gets to the old man. He just goes. Funk and into the back of his neck just, and kills him. He straight up stabs his old man to death and then drags him over to the pipe that all the rats are coming out of and just throws him at the rats and, and walks away. And that's it. That is the hot dog <laughs> man is the star of this movie. That is like by far the best part. And the, the, no explanation. No, there's nothing. There's no point. Did, there's no did. point to this scene at all, but it is fantastic. Yes. Just, uh, just the you have to see the hot dog man running. Yes. He's like running like he's the hero going to save somebody, and he just runs over and stabs him. The hot dog man is never mentioned again. No nope. one ever talks about the hot dog man. No one ever even mentions this guy or knows that he's missing. Correct. <laughs> it's just great. a random ass scene that he threw in there <laughs> right. just to. So, yeah, I just really to get just rid of the body count. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he was just he was like, okay, we got nothing else for this Kazadian guy to do. What else can we do? Hot dog, Hot dog man. man. <laughs> right. I don't I don't get it, but it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so um anyway, yeah, so back at after that brief intermission from Hot Dog Man <laughs> right, and the Swamp. Right. <laughs> um so we get back to the building. Um we see that uh that the countess's butler starting to take advantage, like stealing all her money. Or her jewelry and stuff like that. Um, essentially, he gets he's talking to the the maid or no the the uh, hotel super I guess is the best way to, or apartment super. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's run like a hotel. 
I keep saying hotel because it just like keys hanging to the whole apartments behind the desk. Right. Yeah. Um. So like, oh, we're finally get out of here. Uh. So the butler goes around. like, all right, I'm gonna get some more stuff. Um. And he's like not coming back. So the the apartment manager is trying to find him. Lights one candle, finds his eyes, just. Gently ripped out, oh, yeah. and hanging from his eyeball, yeah, just and tugged dead. out just enough to be on his <laughs> and cheeks. just like that. What? Yeah, yeah, just like that. She screams. Um, and what happens? Then she drops a candle, starts a fire, and she kind of starts trying to put it out. And all of a sudden, like the draperies seem like spring to life and drape over her, and she catches on fire, falls through the window, falls through a skylight, and falls essentially into that secret floor where the punk show took place right and the building starts catching on fire um anyway so that, while that while that's going on mark kind of like like finally realizing the keys beneath the soles of our feet and he's just kind of going through there and he's like oh there's there's ants coming through this hole in the ground okay let me uh drop something in there didn't come out he puts like he just finds like a wire hanger that he straightens up and puts in the hole and it he didn't hit anything so then he puts a spray in there to kill all the ants and then he starts chipping away for, sorry first he pries up the floorboard with the ceremony dagger book opener letter opener right um and then sees this hole and starts then all of a sudden he has like a crowbar out of nowhere and starts chipping away at the at the concrete. I wouldn't be standing over it in a hole that you're making, not knowing what's beneath there. Oh, <laughs> I'm just throwing this. It's not yeah, it's not know. a good idea to be hitting anything in a building that old. Right. Um, so then he goes, Hey, a hole. I'll just go through here, because that seems to be everyone's most operandum in this movie is I'm gonna climb. So be fair, hole. he stuck his hand in there first and was like, Oh, yeah. there's some stuff in here, and then just jumped in yeah so then he kind of goes through this winding secret passages and eventually finds the guy the old man who's there who's hooked up because he can't speak was hooked up to like speaker system was like oh i was the you know i was the the uh alchemist i built all this stuff um you know kind of mark figured out that the the apartment he's in is one of the how mansions built for the mother, the mother of darkness. Um, so yeah, so he kind of just goes and they get somehow the old man starts attacking him, tries ejecting him. He gets tangled up with his own. I don't know what to call this technology. Well, it's like uh, what do you, what do you call those things that like the people that have laryngectomy? Yeah, like, use the talk. Speaker. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of those, but like a '70s version that needs like a whole freaking computer the size of a desk to work. Right, that's what it is. Yeah. Um. So, so he ends up, you know, essentially being died. That there's people watching him, all the stuff. He kind of starts to turn around, and boom, it's the the nurse is the 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 mother of darkness um and i am death and while the bullet you know billions burn around they kind of have a very short scuffle a kerfuffle kerfuffle like he's like haha she turns to like death itself he's like oh no and he runs away and then the fire is consumed 
and the debris, she stands there while the villain collapses on her. <laughs> the end. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll go into my first thoughts was for a spiritual successor to the second mother's story, this is a pretty damn good follow-up to Suspiria in that, that lineup. Um, visually fantastic. Uh, you know, going to highlights. Visually fantastic. Music's on point. And it seems like just like a perfect sequel to Suspiria. Um, something definitely I want to watch again. You know, there's a lot of interesting points and, you know, it's interesting that we get kind of the lore of the Three Mothers in the second movie um, as as a whole, but it's still interesting. Like, you know, I believe the Three Mothers is based off of a, a story itself and, and Argento kind of just like kind of made it his own. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, visual was great you know the the scenery was fantastic the line was fantastic the architecture was amazing and we also had kind of just like you know we had you know the 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 first month the mother of size was essentially a witch the mother of darkness is essentially death um i mean i am excited for the third one i don't know how good it will be being as late as it is in Argento's career uh but no this is definitely worth watch and i was very pleasantly surprised by this how about you yeah no it was great um yeah i mean the like uh, high point is yeah i mean the music again obviously this one had a bit more of a traditional score um yeah than he normally does i mean there was some of that you know argento kind of you know goofy <laughs> synth music <laughs> thrown in there but not nearly as much this one was a lot more traditional and i i know there was yeah. like you know he was like a music student so there was a lot of like classical music for that reason specifically but um it does seem like there's a lot more of that traditional score in this one but uh, again all done well um yeah like you said the color the atmosphere outstanding i mean yeah great I mean, again we, you know we talked about how great it was in suspiria it's great in this one too you can tell it was yeah. a big focus of it um but yeah by far in a way the biggest highlight of this movie is the hot dog man um <laughs> I could watch that part over and over. In fact, I did. I think I watched it three times because I was. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, that is a great cosplay if we ever go to horror conventions. <laughs> hot dog man, hot dog man <laughs> from Inferno. Yes, yeah. I think we. I think you could pull it off. <laughs> um, now, the, the, rolling to my low points here. The low points was in the in the beginning of this movie. I don't know what was wrong with Rose and Sarah, but they were both seemingly like. Uh, completely unbothered by water. Yes. Like Sarah just like, well, whoops, I guess I'll just jump into this water. I mean, fully clothed, <laughs> like didn't even bother, like, you know, I don't know, taking her freaking shirt and dress off. She was wearing she like a floor length off. dress. She was wearing a floor length dress, a pleated yes. dress and just jumped into the water with it. It was bizarre. And it was like, again, it was billowing all around her anyway. So it's like, you know, it's not like, she was, you know, being modest and covering anything. I don't understand what the, whatever. <laughs> right. And they're like completely unbothered by water. And then Sarah was like, it was pouring rain and she just like standing there. I getting get soaked. By, right. I expected her to get hit by a car. Right. <laughs> but she was just like standing there getting soaked. Just like thinking to herself, like, hmm, hmm, what should I do? Hmm, should I do right. this? Should I do that? Yeah. And she's just getting poured on soaking wet. Um, I do have to say the continuity guy for this movie was great though, because she stayed wet the whole rest of the movie. 
Yes. <laughs> like, which is very rare in a movie because usually it's like the next scene, they may be a little bit wet, but then the scene after that, they're totally dry. Like it never happened. And this one, it was like every scene after this, she was wet the whole time. So like the continuity guy was on point in this movie. Yeah. Um, and then the other the bad part was obviously the cats in the bag, man. Like that was, it was like disturbing. That scene went on for way too long. The cats were like meowing and screaming the whole time. And then like when he puts them in the water, they like, like scream, like, you know, gargling. Yeah. It was like gargling and it was like higher pitched and it was like, it was disturbing. Like what is going on? And again, there's no point to the scene. Why do you have to show drowning cats in this scene? That's pointless. Like the hot dog man part was great. Why does the cat in a bag have to be there? Uh, that was probably a good 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's that long, but it felt like that long. I was like, what is happening? Why is this going for so long? Um, right. But yeah, no, yeah. The cats in the bag upset me. <laughs> I, did not, <laughs> I did not like that. Um, again, that's why maybe that's why I felt was like so happy when the hot dog man just came over there and, ch- and chopped them because it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, no explanation, though. <laughs> but yeah, no. if you watch this movie, cheer for the hot dog man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, low points. Uh, let me think about this. I, 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 I'm going to say the same thing is that you thought that Sarah, not Sarah, uh, Rose was going to be the main protagonist. No, nope, yep. Mark. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. It's first it's Rose and then it switches yeah. to Mark and then yeah. it switches to Sarah. And it's not like, it's not like they're only like uh, for a second. No, it's like whole scenes. Like Sarah yeah. is the main character for like a good, what? 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time. Like she goes through the whole library scene, the whole like alchemical laboratory scene, the whole like her apartment scene with Carlo and then getting murdered. Like all of that takes a significant amount of time. And then it just cuts to Mark again. (laughs) And then it like cuts away from Mark. And then uh, the Countess was like the main character for a while. Like Mark was knocked out. And then it was like the Countess was like the main character for like 10 minutes. And then it like comes, but it just, but again, it's just so weird how they jump back and forth like that it was weird also a very anticlimactic showdown with the mother of darkness yeah oh yeah oh i'm, I'm the mother death. but i'm also death that she like comes out like literally looking like grim reaper and mark's like oh that's cool see, see you later uh, right. that's it and the done <laughs> like it's just <laughs> over there's no no confrontation no fight he just leaves i mean fairness he did get the heart medicine so <laughs> right. maybe that gave him some sort of I don't know. I don't know. He's immune. He's immune from... to panickers. He's immune to fear. I don't know. I I don't know. But his 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 most of his acting was looking very drowsy. That was his <laughs> that was his role in this movie. But yeah, the the, the heart medicine was absolutely. I'm just like, I, if I woke up, he'd be like, "What the hell did you give me?" Yeah. If I if I woke up and I was like, "What happened?" I can't remember anything. Oh, it was your heart. What do you mean it was my heart? Are you a doctor? <laughs> like, the, how did you know it was my heart? Oh, you said it was your heart. What the? I'm not a doctor either. <laughs> Why the hell would you listen to what I'm saying? Yes. You know, and then they're like, oh, don't worry. We gave you heart medicine. Why would you give me medicine? You don't know me at all. <laughs> right. That's, that's, yeah, that is a weird plot point, I would say. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, number of ceremonial daggers out of 10. I thought this was. A fantastic film. I, it, I mean, it is at 
almost as good as Suspiria. I don't remember why I gave Suspiria, but I'm giving this movie nine ceremonial daggers out of ten. You gave, I really you gave Suspiria it. 8.5. Okay, well then, 8.5 it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's as good. Okay. Uh, what about you? Um, I will give this one uh, 7.75 ceremonial daggers out of ten. Was it the ants that gave George drop it down 0.25? I don't like the ants. I didn't like the cats in the bag. No, I mean, I like this one a lot. I just don't think it was quite as good as Suspiria was. It's close. Okay. It's definitely close. It's worth rewatching, obviously. Oh, absolutely. I just don't think it was quite as good as Suspiria. It's close. Not quite there. No, it, it definitely makes me want to watch the, the, the Three Mothers trilogy in its own, just as a trilogy, like one after the other. I'm probably gonna do that at some point in time, just because I want to see how it how it really builds up. It's been what a couple of months since we did the last ones. Yeah, we. I mean, we could do it at some point. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, no, it was. It was. I think it was as good as the spirit. No, you're right. It wasn't as good. So <laughs> eight point two five. There you go. Okay. I know you're excited for the next one we're gonna be discussing. Okay, there's a lot of mixed feelings about this one. And this is why I decided I was going to take the recap for you. (laughs) (laughs) Because anyone that listens to this podcast knows that Salem has a great love and affection of bugs. Yeah, yeah. And Phenomena is about bugs. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of bugs. There's a lot. There's like half the movies about bugs. Yes. So I, I, I know how much you enjoy it. I do want to say that you probably do want her superpowers. <laughs> yeah, if I could make him get the hell away from me. It'd be awesome. that, right, right. If you had that type of control, you'd be like, all right, bugs, be gone. Yeah, I control all <laughs> bugs in my area to leave and don't come back. <laughs> yes. All right. So Phenomenon came out 1985, which was a year before labyrinth i think labyrinth is 86 so we get a very young jennifer conley yes I, I looked it up i think she was 15 yeah uh we get a very old donald pleasance because donald pleasance was very old in everything oh <laughs> yeah watch them in to be fair yeah yeah um so it, it starts off what in a swiss countryside you can tell because it had the swiss flag about a young tourist who misses her bus and we see, we watch her take the bus or miss the bus and then she goes all right and just kind of stands there okay now here's <laughs> here's the question the first question right off the bat what the hell was she doing to miss the bus there's okay. nothing around it's like literally yeah. forest and fields like what the right. hell were you doing Correct. to miss the bus yes <laughs> bizarre yeah, we don't know why she's there. We just know that she is there. And maybe she's taking a poo. I don't know. But somehow she misses the bus as a tourist, which is a fantastic way to, you know, tour. Um, essentially, then she's like, all right, I'm going to go walking and try to find something. I don't know what she's trying to find, but she's trying to find help, I guess. Um and she's kind of walking through like a finds like a cottage on the side of a river. 
I would say. Um, and then she kind of gets attacked and beheaded. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, if there was a little bit of a scene where something was chained to a wall. Oh yeah, and, that's and we ripped yeah, out yeah. right. And as we see her walking around the house, we see whatever it is chained against the wall, like freaking out and yanking the pins out of the wall. Right. I mean, not that that really does much, but we nope. see it was something, <laughs> some kind of whatever monster thing. Assumingly monster, yes. Well, whatever monster, yeah. either physically or mentally, yes. Yeah. So. So yeah, so we get that, then we get cut to. Donald Pleasance, who's in the wheelchair, being interviewed by, once again, inept cops or detectives. Mm-hmm. They go, hey, you know, we find out that, you know, Donald Pleasance has a chimpanzee as a nurse. Um, he scolded it because they found a scalpel. It's like, where'd you find this? And it's outside. And he finds just a scalpel outside, you know, sharp, cut. See how sharp it is? And he could barely cut through the paper with the scalpel. Yeah, he had to try really <laughs> hard. Yeah. And it was probably uh, pre-cut. Exactly. And he still had a really hard time showing how sharp this really sharp scalpel was by not being able to cut through paper. Um, and so, you know, she's my nurse. She takes care of me. Look, I have this little remote with a laser. She gets what I want. Um, but teaches uh, 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 Inga, Ingra. The monkey? Inga. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and then... You know, he's talking to the cops and he goes like, you know, he has this something beneath a, a drape that we don't know exactly what it is. Um, but he's talking about like, you know, you can, you know, what, how do you, and he sees this decayed head. I'm assuming of the missing tourist girl. Yeah. Um, and he's like, okay, well, you can determine, you know, how long has this been there? And, you know, he's like, okay, based on the life cycles of bugs, what there's 15, no, eight classifications of bugs that each are there for 15 days. And depending on what type of bugs are on the remains determines how far along in that process that that's been there. So you can go back, okay, if it's been, you know, 15 days per thing, it's, you know, eight stages that it's about three or four months. And then it's like, okay, so it's like, all right, it was this exact day. You know, based on being found in the water when it came out of the water log. And, you know, he's helped, apparently helped the cops before on bodies to see how long it's been there. Um, like, hey, that lines up with when this, like, the exact day lines up when this girl was reported missing. It's like, okay, cool. Thanks for your help, bug guy. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, essentially that's I think all that's really of note in this point in time. Uh, although all, there's been missing girls ages about 14 or 15, a couple of them now. And one of them, um, one of them was um, Donald Sutherland's uh, assistant. Research assistant? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Donald um, Pleasance, not Donald Sutherland. Donald Pleasance. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, then we get to a. Then we get Jennifer Connelly being in a car. She's being dropped off at a boarding school. This is all in Switzerland, I believe, right? Correct. Zurich. Zurich. Um, you know, she she's like, oh, her dad's this famous actor who we never see. Nope. 
at all. Um, but you know, what, a funny, American <laughs> funny thing was, is that Argento was trying to get Al Pacino to be <laughs> the guy that was the famous actor. And it was supposed to be the real Al Pacino. Like it was supposed to be Al oh. Pacino's daughter. But since Al Pacino had a daughter and it didn't, he's like, I don't want to be like my daughter in the movie. That's not my real daughter. Like that doesn't make sense. So he told him, right. no. but like that was his original plan. <laughs> was to try to get Al Pacino to be this fictional actor in the movie. Interesting. Um, so anyway, she's being she's uh Jennifer Connelly. She is Jennifer, because <laughs> you know, once again, just keep your name. That's your name. Um so she finds out that, you know, here's her room, you know, and we get introduced to a very French girl. You can tell she's French because she's smoking. Of course. Um, <laughs> I am French, therefore I smoke. Well, she did have a French accent too, so oh, I kind of yeah. gave it yeah. away. Right. And she's like, oh man, I haven't eaten anything since breakfast two days ago. What you got? Well, I have this old baby food from my parents came to visit with my baby brother. It's expired, but you can eat it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And she starts I'm not I don't want to eat the meat flavored baby food because I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, oh right. What? Right. <laughs> Like, you're already eating baby food what difference right. does it make yeah um so you know she's like okay and there's like oh the, then the frau comes in oh you're not supposed to have food in here it takes it away also she has like a she had like a poster of her dad and the french girl was like oh did you go to did you lay in bed with him i mean you're 14 years old well yeah but not only that but like why would you have a poster of your dad Correct. That's just so weird. <laughs> it does weird. I don't care who your dad is. Like, if your dad is a famous person, I don't think their children are going to put posters of their dad on their wall. That's just weird. Don't give a crap about your if you're if you're right. Famous. Like you see him all the time. Why do you need a freaking poster of him? Right. Um. So, oh, she's like, don't worry. I have more posters. I'll hang them later. Tee hee hee. Um. And then essentially they get ready for her bed. And she's like, oh, I you know there's girls being murdered. I don't think I'd be able to sleep because of it, but I'll go. I won't be able to like I'll think of my dad's movies and my, you know, stuff like that. And I'll be able to go to sleep. And the French girl is like, if I think of your dad, I won't be able to go to sleep. Yeah, it's like, thanks, um, French girl. Right. Slow <laughs> your roll a minute there. I just my first day. <laughs> right. Um, she's like, do you mind if I watch TV? I have earphones. They weren't called headphones, and they're called earphones. Oh, in Europe, uh, they were called earphones. Okay. Um. So she's like, "Yeah, sure." Uh. So she's watching it, and then we kind of find out that um, Jennifer played, you know, Jennifer sleepwalks, and she's going through kind of the stuff, and she somehow witnesses a girl being murdered, but she's sleepwalking. Um. And she kind of just what she sees all the stuff and she wakes up in the forest. And uh, then we find then somehow Inga finds her in the woods. I'm assuming because he's not that far away from the school. Right. Um, And so she goes and meets Donald Pleasance like, hey, I have this jacket. Came, you know, my research assistant. And she's like. He's talking about like bugs. Like I like bugs. Oh, sorry. There's a car scene in her car where she's being dropped off by like a, a publicist or someone, 
you know, that's she's that's in charge of her. She's like, oh, that's a bee. It, bees don't bother me. Bugs like me. They will. They never sting me or attack me. Um. So then Donald Pleasance is very surprised that she likes bugs and that they don't do anything to her. That she's able to somewhat control them, have like a telepathic link, and like he immediately comes up with that conclusion within like five minutes of meeting her. Um. So, you know, she finds out that, you know, oh, she meets Inga. This is how she gets stuff for me and all that jazz. And she's like, oh, you should use these powers, blah, blah, blah. Um, but anyway, she does end up returning to the school. And like, okay, we're going to do this EEG. And somehow, you know, she's like, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want your EEG. I don't know what this is supposed to do, what it's supposed to prove. And she gets kind of like sleepwalking is like acting like this very taboo thing to have happened to her right like oh she's a sleepwalker we have to figure out why and what's wrong with her and then somehow the eeg like makes her flash back to the events of the murder like it rekindles something in her head right which seemed very weird to me (laughs) um so, yeah, but yeah, she leaves. Um, and then she, was this when she tries talking to her, calling her dad and gets the publicist? Or was that later on? No, yeah, at this point, because I think she would, yeah. at this point, she decides that she just wants to get out of there. Right. I don't want to be here. I need to leave, but she can't kill her dad. So she calls Shapiro, her dad's attorney, trying yeah, to get Morris, out of there. Morris, Morris Shapiro. Shapiro. Right. Um, Anyway, then the the fourteen year old French girl finds the jacket uh, because he saw her. She he, the person that's doing these murders saw Jennifer leave the house in that jacket. So he's like, okay, I know she saw me. I have this jacket. Um, and then the fourteen year old girl goes on some date with some random guy. I feel like, yeah. Well, yeah, it was like her yeah, boyfriend I, or whatever. Yeah. But he seemed like and, he was like ten years older than she was. Right. Well, I mean, if he wants, to, she wants to lay in bed with you know someone's dad who's clearly in his thirties or supposed to be in thirties or forties at least. Uh-huh. Um, but she's wearing the same sweater or jacket, and so the killer mistakes her for it and kills her roommate. Um. And then Jennifer kind of sleepwalks again and is led by uh, a, a lightning bug. Yep. Um, she follows it, which has the, we- the weirdest glow on a lightning bug. I understand it's for effect, but yeah. Um, and then she finds what uh, a glove that has maggots on it. Um, and then she decides to, t- you know, hey, this is a clue. Let's not tell the cops. <laughs> Right. Like I said, all of these movies, like Argento just like cuts the police out of the story. Yeah. Like they're only uh, there incidentally. Correct. Uh so she sends gives a you know, she befriends Donald Pleasance, like, hey, these are what they're great sarcophagus flies that this is these only appear on decaying human flesh. Um he's like, Well that's weird because you know, why would they be on the glove? And he's saying that the the killer is a, um, likes to keep the dead bodies 
very close to him. So like he kills him and then has their bodies and eventually disposes of the bodies at some later time. So they're already decayed by the time anyone finds them. And so somehow he's getting these these fly maggots onto him. Um it's like, okay, well, you're gonna have to use your kind of powers to do this. But anyway, she goes back to the school and then she gets tormented. Well, she gets like a little training montage of how like how to control insects to harness her powers for good. Uh, she goes back to school and she's tormented for sleepwalking. And then she calls down a swarm of flies, like covering the school. And like the fan blowing on her, the lights, like very Carrie-esque scene. Yeah. Um, That's fair. But they, yeah, she's like, oh, she's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the devil is the Lord of the Flies. So like, okay, well... Since she's the devil, she has to go to a mental hospital because that's going to fix everything. Um, She's able to... The weirdest scene ever. Like, So she is in a bed and she has like um, an IV hooked up to her and someone's like waiting for the loony bin to to get to her and like there's someone staying watching guard and she pulls out crochet needles and then within a minute she's like dead asleep. Yep. Yeah, right? She's as all like, knitting and she's like out, out. Like no sound is waking her up. <laughs> um, so she takes the drip needle out of her and kind of sneaks out. Uh, so then she you know goes back to Donald Pleasant. He's like, okay, I want you to follow this fly and kind of like uh warg into it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sure. <laughs> Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well, she's like, it's a big area. It's like, well, we know it's in this area. And when the fly detects a dead body, it will immediately go to it. So make sure to follow it. Um, And then we, but she gets in there. She goes to like this old cottage. Um, There's once again a hole. <laughs> And she goes up to like a closet and starts, starts following her. She's trying to figure it out. And there's like, there's a hole in the ground or, or right. That she doesn't really notice right away. Um, and then we get a scene with like the caretaker of this place. And then he. Trying to figure out with like the real estate guy, like who the previous occupants are from the cop. It's a question. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Um. I think that's and then she gets out of there. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Th- this is the cop that's asking questions. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. He's actually doing his job, which I'm surprised they're allowed to do that. Well, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, the next <laughs> group of scenes, we'll see exactly, you know, what he accomplishes, which is uh, nothing. Right. But the, again, so that makes sense <laughs> for Argento's <laughs> police. So even if they yeah. do show up, they don't do anything useful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the same cottage that was from earlier, I guess. Um, anyway, then we get a scene of 
uh, Inga got out of the house and she's kind of just doing whatever. And then she sees someone go into the house and she gets locked outside the house. And she's like trying to rip open the house and like wake up Donald Pleasance to alert that there's someone in the house. He's going down his wheelchair elevator and there's someone just kind of standing there, stops the button, he shines his like laser into the eye so we just see the eye. Um, and he's like, before that, he's like, yeah, that's what you get in here for, you know, going outside, you know, reprimanding the, the chimpanzee. Um, and then uh, he, the, the wheelchair ramp kind of goes all the way down. He stabbed in the gut and he's dead. Donald Pleasance is dead. Uh, Inga is able to get in there and kind of like calls with him, trying to take care of him, wake him up. Also very interested in his wound in his gut, I would say. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see here. Oh, then he, she calls his lawyer again. It's like, you got to take me back. Um, the the lawyer talks to the cop uh, to have her stay at his house, and then the detective cop who's actually investigating goes to some mental hospital where you know someone was attacked by uh, a patient previously, and I would assume. Would you assume impregnated? Um, well, I don't think they knew about the impregnated. I knew that they knew about the rape part. Yeah. But I don't think they knew about the impregnant part. And I think okay. that's how <laughs> the climax happens. Right. Um so anyway, yeah, so you know, the 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 lady who's in charge of taking care of that brought her there originally is like, okay, you're in my stay, I'm in charge of you. Um, until you're able to get taken out of here, you know, tomorrow because she what she tries going to uh the airport and like the flights aren't leaving, so she has to wait till like the following night um to get out to fly back out to America. That's how she gets the assistant to take care of her. Uh ghost, you know, hey, something comes stay at my house, which is essentially a mansion. Um, and she's like, Wow, the mirror's covered. Oh, I have a son who doesn't like mirrors. Um, so she's like, okay, here, take these, you know, packaged pills, take, you know, two should, you know, two is the recommended dose, but one should work. Um, just take them. And then she goes, okay, I'll get water myself. Uh, so she, she takes one, and like immediately starts to throw up and she's like, Oh, this is poison. These are poison, which I don't understand how they would be poison when they were like art. She like had to take them out of their package. Um, so she starts throwing up and like she's pounding her, like, What are you doing? What are you doing? Um is she knocked unconscious she's knocked unconscious by the assistant. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember what she, but she's knocked unconscious. And then the, the cop shows up and starts questioning the assistant, um, says that she was working at the mental hospital when she was raped. And then she imprisons the cop. 
Um, so essentially, she wakes up and she's like, "What, what would you even call this? The the basement? But what would you call the pit? Like a death pit?" I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a compost pile for people, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, kind of. I don't know. Um, but you know, she uh finds a cop kind of chained up. He's been tortured, you know, a little bit, uh, and she falls into the pool for a very long time, like trying to get out. She's covered in just gray water and decaying matter. And yeah, maggots. she's wearing she's wearing all white. Yes, that's a very common theme when women go in the water in Argento's movies. Well, yeah, in this one, the continuity guy was taking a nap. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, right. the minute she gets out of there, she's clean. She's a little wet, but she's totally clean. Right. Um. So, yeah, essentially, the you know, the, the assistant comes out and is like, ha-ha, it, you know, it was kind of, kind of me, and she starts mocking her, and then the cop was able to escape and seemingly kill the assistant right like i feel like stabs her in the face a few times at least um yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah she definitely gets yeah. injured yeah but she seems to be out um so then we you know she's going through kind of the basement a little bit and she's like oh i hear a child and she's like oh it's the sun and you know, it's like, oh, you don't have to be afraid of the mirror. Let me take off the this drapery from the mirror so you can see yourself. We can get out of here. And she turns around. He's deformed. And I, I don't know with what. <laughs> um, Kind of just chases her. He's like, oh, I'm going to have this. Like, oh, you're essentially the kid's evil. I don't want to say evil, but just dangerous. Um, She gets onto the boat, but the kid somehow is able to uh, get onto her and tries attacking her with a with a spear. Yeah, it's like a spear that you have to put together like socket extenders. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that was all about, but yeah, no idea. Um, so essentially, but he also causes like he pierces the boat engine and starts leaking fuel. Uh, she's able to swarm, call, use her powers, and essentially kill the child. Um. And she is, oh, the boat's leaking. She tries to start it. She can't. She gets out of the boat. The boat catches fire. And then the lawyer shows up somehow. <laughs> like, oh, I'm here. And then, boom, decapitate. Right, yeah. <laughs> with, with a piece of sheet metal. Right. She's <laughs> like, one, sw- one, one <laughs> quick swipe, head gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I don't know what kind of strength it would take to like decapitate someone in one hit with a piece of sheet metal, but she's been she, that, she's that's been superhuman out. strength. Yeah, she's yeah. been working out. Oh, and then something that comes into play um, when after you know Inga found Donald Pleasant's dead, she goes to the garbage and just happens to find like a straight razor in the garbage and like a milk container or something, and she takes the switchblade. Then Inga comes and saves the day and starts a killing her with the straight razor uh and then they hug and then the inga the the chimpanzee and jennifer hug it's over yeah now interesting bit of uh, trivia there is that the monkey that was actually the monkey's hand 
with that straight razor on her face. Was it? Yes. And she actually got like severely injured, even though that straight razor was blunted. It was obviously not a sharp straight razor. It was blunted, but because the monkey was hitting her so hard with it, she actually got hurt like pretty badly. Um, And Jennifer Connelly also said that that monkey was like very aggressive towards her. And like, there's a, like after something happened that the monkey like bit off, like part of her finger. Oh, and like ever since, like since that point, the monkey was like really aggressive towards her and they had to use a body double for a lot of her scenes with the monkey because the monkey would not calm down when she was around for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. There's also a weird story of like the monkey ran away (laughs) and it was living in the forest, like outside of where they were shooting for like three days. And they finally convinced it to come out with like some food, like three days later. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Um, So we'll start with our first thoughts is, you know, this is the most Americanized version, I guess, of one of these movies that we've seen so far. Uh, you know, Donald Pleasance had the very poor Scottish accent that he just gave up, like, after saying I'm Scottish. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he tried for a little bit. And he was just like, nah, I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah. And they're, everybody's just like, it's fine. It was terrible anyway. Just don't worry about it. Um, but it's interesting seeing... You know, because the first thing I probably saw Jennifer Connelly in actually was Labyrinth and then uh, Rocketeer. So it's interesting seeing her kind of like at the start of her career here. Um, but I mean, I've I've heard of this movie, obviously, and you know, I have this on Laserdisc, and um, I heard so much about it, but I had never watched it until until this week. Um. I, I still think it was a pretty decent movie. It was, it was more of, it was less of a, of a, I guess it's still kind of a whodunit, but more horror, less kind of, less kind of a, of a whodunit with like some supernatural elements, which kind of rare for Argento. Yeah. Yeah. In I know. These, I, in these type of movies. Yeah. It's essentially like, if you take like a kind of, uh, upbeat sci-fi movie and mix it with an Argento horror movie is essentially yeah. what this ended up being. Yeah, but I mean, it's still a overall pretty good movie. It, it's definitely, you know, this one was, I'm pretty sure, at least in America, more than any Argento movie that I've seen. Well, it was, but it was released as Creepers. Right. So, so yeah, it, it was released as Creepers, and I, I, from what I understand, it did pretty well i mean i don't remember seeing it at all but yeah it was, no. it was released as creepers here yeah but i mean it's still you know for me to be able to find it in the wild on lizards meant that it came with english and it was did well, well to be fair America. you didn't find it oh you did that's right you're welcome but still in the wild <laughs> if i didn't find it wild I, if you didn't find it in the wild i probably wouldn't have it, but, <laughs> uh no but it, it's still decently i you know We'll get into your. I know your downs, your 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 low points of the movie. But overall, what did you think of this movie? Was this your first time too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. This is the first time watching it. Um, I mean, overall, it was it it was good. Um, I mean the uh, again, there's the, you know, his goofy music choices. Um, Goblin is technically 
part of this one, but it's really only um, when the French girl is watching the TV. Mm-hmm. The music that's in the background is like old kind of recycled um, like Day of the Dead stuff or, or Dawn of the Dead stuff that they did. They didn't do anything original for this movie, but that was the only time they were in there. But it, they did a lot more like um, like famous for the time music. That's why there's like actual like Iron Maiden music and stuff in it. So, right. That, I mean, that was it was interesting. Um, like I said, I don't think I like it quite as much as the other ones. Um, bugs are definitely a part of that, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it yeah. wasn't it wasn't bad. But you knew about the bugs before you got there. Yes. You were at least warned ahead of time. Correct. Yeah. Um, highlights, you know, the music was pretty good. Um, for the act, I think the acting was still pretty good too. I mean, it's still Donald Pleasance being Donald Pleasance, but, you know, he was a better psych- child psychologist than he was in Halloween. <laughs> oh, <one>. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Okay, um, yeah, no, he's fine. I mean, at least he like told them some bug facts, you know. Like, yeah, he do that instead yeah. of being the child psychologist. Is just like, yeah, I am a licensed child psychologist, and that's a that's an evil child, right? Uh, <laughs> that's not a diagnosis, dude. <laughs> that's not how your job works. <laughs> you he's can't well, just say that's an evil kid, kill him. You can't do that. Definitely more professional. <laughs> yes, expertise exactly. in this one. Exactly. Uh, you know, I said, you know, but you know, I said highlights. Definitely music. The acting, spot on. Um, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, the music's good. Like I said, it's not quite as good <laughs> as some of the other ones, just because I, I think that's just Goblin took like a back seat here. Um, and it was more of the other stuff, but it's definitely the same kind of thing, you know, like the character is doing their normal everyday kind of activities. And all of a sudden Iron Maiden kicks in and you're like, OK, something bad is going to happen. <laughs> but they're continuing to like act completely normally for like another few seconds before something actually happens. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, the music is like telegraphing what's happening. But, yeah, it's it's it was it was interesting. Um, I mean, I, they could have used another song besides the Iron Maiden song. They used it like way too many times yes um but it, yeah it was it was it was a bright spot overall um and, and again it was it's interesting to see jennifer connelly this early in her career um like obviously she's not jennifer connelly yet she's still like you know a 15 year old kid essentially right um but yeah, it's it's interesting seeing her this young and you know in this stage of her career it's fun yeah i mean let's just we'll just roll into your low point we we can say you can say it <laughs> um well, yeah, we'll say again. Some of the music I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, the monkey, like, yeah. what is the point of the monkey? Why is there a monkey in this movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? There is no point for a monkey being there. I don't get it. Like, and I get. I guess Argento was like upset because people were like seeing the monkey and in the scenes and stuff, and they were like laughing because it's a it's a monkey. Right. And he was upset. He's like, no, this is serious. This is a serious scene. You can't laugh at the monkey. It's like, it's a monkey, dude. Like monkeys do stuff to make us laugh. That's like, I don't know. It's some kind of like reptile brain thing. You laugh at monkeys. Right. That's right. Well, you know, he was like all upset about it. It's like, okay, I I get you're upset about that. Why do you need the monkey in the movie? What are you? Why? What is it even there for? 
Um, I didn't get the whole monkey thing. I mean, yes, I understand it's part of the the, the, the story, but like it could have easily been another human character. It didn't need yeah. to be a monkey character at all. Um, that yeah, they, uh, yeah. I mean, of course, bugs. <laughs> There's a lot of. There's bugs. a lot of bugs. They were all <laughs> over the place. They were crawling on people. They were all over the ground. There was like. <laughs> There's like, I mean, there's freaking scorpions and spy. I mean, all kinds of stuff in all these like tubs. Like, dude, <laughs> like, yeah, the guy studies bugs doesn't mean he has to cover his freaking house in bugs. Correct. Jesus, and he's in a freaking yeah. wheelchair. How you can't take care of all these bugs? They're probably crawling all over his house. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bugs don't really bother me that much uh the monkey yes that is it makes no sense and realistically like did she have some sort of powers to put the person watching her like instantly the like a deep sleep that's not being woken up from i don't know i think they just like <laughs> put a person who like had worked like a double shift or like oh you're <laughs> good to work a third one right yeah we just need you to watch her can you handle that sure it was passed out immediately. Yeah, it was like not even 30 seconds. Like, I don't even think they got one stitch done with yeah. their knitting needles before they passed out. Not at all. <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's like some <laughs> kind of sleepy bug that she had going in her ear or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was trying to, I was watching, like, all right, did, did she do something? <laughs> did I miss something? <laughs> Or no. this is like the world's sleepiest person. <laughs> yeah, that is said. Yeah, sometimes when you know people get the job that they're like least likely to be able to do, I think that's what that was. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so let's get into our number of ceremonial daggers out of ten. Um, this wasn't as good. Like this is probably the I don't I don't say worse because this isn't a bad movie. But like the least good so far that we've watched of Argento. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna go down to a, a seven ceremonial daggers out of ten. How about you? Um, yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, it's probably my least favorite of the ones I've seen so far. Um, and I will have to give it a six point seven five ceremonial daggers out of ten because I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> No matter how much be you had, because you probably be like, "There's bugs on me." <laughs> yeah, if there's, unless there's a reason for me to watch this again, I don't want to. But it's not. Yeah, it's it's a decent movie overall. It's just yeah, it's a yeah. movie that I don't necessarily want to watch again. Correct. We watched it. I'm glad we watched it. It's just mm -hmm. because it's still a good movie. Yes. Um, but it's just, it felt very different from the rest of his works. Yes. Honestly. Yes. So. All right, why don't you bring us home with the, the last one? Uh, sure. Uh, so we're going for Opera, which came out in 1987. Yes. Um, which a lot of people say is Argento's uh, last film in his, like, golden era. <laughs> um, but essentially, Opera uh, opens up with a kind of a rehearsal of Macbeth as an opera. I didn't know Macbeth was an opera, but uh, apparently they made an opera version of Macbeth. So sure. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't think they made this version of it. But. Well, I mean, I'm just saying like, I, I, I'm not an opera fan, so I did not know that. That's interesting. 
Um, but yeah, so they're yeah, it's, it's basically they're doing a um, opera version of Macbeth. Um, and there's like a very famous opera singer that's supposed to be like Lady Macbeth, the main character. Yeah. Um, and she is upset because they're using like real crows in the uh, the production. And the real crows are cawing while she's singing. And she says it's very, very distracting. And she gets, you know, she turns as a diva moment and she just like storms out. And the camera kind of follows her. It's kind of her POV of her leaving the scene. And we're kind of introduced to the, you know, the director and the, her agents and all these other kind of characters in the movie as they're like trying to convince her to stay and calm her down. Um, and she walks out in the front of the, the theater and gets hit by a car. <laughs> Uh, and because she's hit by a car, that means that her understudy now has to come in and be Lady Macbeth. Um, and the understudy is essentially um, the main character. She's very young. I mean, I don't early 20s. I don't, I don't think they say exactly how old she is, but um, right. she's early 20s. And like she even herself is like, I'm too young to play Lady Macbeth. Like, you know, she's supposed to be like a, a seasoned, you know, woman. Like, I'm I'm too young. And they're like, oh, you'll be fine. Um, so they basically, yeah, she comes in um, and they, you know, they make her do it. She's extremely nervous about doing it. Um, and she sings and she does a fantastic job and everybody loves her. Right. Um, and what they're towards the end of the opera, um, somebody, you know, Argento's traditional killer of, you know, we only we see through his POV and we only see gloved hands. Right. <clears throat> Which, by the way, are Argento's hands in every one. Every single one, yes. <laughs> every single one that has gloved hands, those are Argento's hands. Yes. Uh, it's just like in, in Tarantino's movies. <laughs> if somebody is touching a foot in a scene, it is his hands. Um, well, yeah. <clears throat> also, like, yeah, in, in Glorious Bastards, the, the when the lady gets choked out, that's actually him choking her out. Of course it is. Yeah. And from what I understand, he actually like choked her to unconsciousness, but it was by her request. Like she wanted to do it. Like he didn't make her do it. She wanted to do it. Anyway, sorry. Sidetrack. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this stage hand person, and we're not really told who this person is. Um, the stage hand person like catches him, like looking at her singing and is like, Hey, you're not supposed to be up here. And then just like kills him on a coat hook. Is that what that was? It's like a coat the hook. Or like, sharpest coat hook. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what is this thing supposed to be? But yeah, it like stabs his head on his coat hook a whole bunch of times and then just throws him over the balcony. Um, and then, oh no, no, he, do, he just hangs him up on the coat hook and then knocks some lights off the balcony. Um, and the lights like explode and spark everywhere and everybody like goes, oh, and the whole thing, you know, the whole opera stops. Um, and they're all like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, you know, uh, some lights you know it'll it'll be fine and obviously there's people up there like reeling in the lights from where the guy is dead hanging on the wall and no one notices <laughs> apparently <laughs> at all so she goes back she finishes up the opera to a standing ovation everybody loves her um so she is now going to um uh, you know be a huge star right um, so yeah, basically they say, yeah, oh, there was a murder up there, but it was just some stagehand who cares. And like, nobody is bothered by this at all. They're all like, just excited that this is a hit. Right. Um, so everybody comes to her dressing room to kind of congratulate her. Um, one of the cops who is there to investigate the death, 
um, comes and gives her a flower. And she's like, oh, boy, it's my first fan. Gave me a flower. And he's like, oh, no, I'm a cop, actually. Then she got all upset. She's like, oh, he's not here because he's a fan of me. He's just some cop. And then the, her, like, agent friend lady is like, oh, they can be both. Which is true. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so she kind of hits it off with um the stage manager guy. Um and they end up going to this, you know, big party um together. Um and then she hangs up her costume before they go to this big party. Um and then the uh wardrobe lady, I guess, brings it into the um kind of prop room and sets the thing out like, "Okay, I got to fix this tomorrow." And then she goes to the party too. Um, and then we see as, you know, the party happens off scene, but as, as that's happening, the killer guy or person or thing, whatever, yep. comes into the room um, and starts like cutting apart the dress that she wears. It's like a like a dress with like a whole bunch of like gaudy costume jewelry hanging off of it for the opera. Um, and he like cuts it all apart. Like he's very, very angry about it. Um, and then while he's doing that, the crows end up breaking out of their cage and attacking him or them whatever um and he fights back and like kills like three of them and then the rest of them are just like flying around and stuff and he eventually leaves um so there's like a weird scene where after the party um the you know understudy lady i can't remember her name what was her name uh, doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> um, so she goes to back to this stage manager guy's, you know, oh, Betty, uh, Betty, Betty, Betty. That's right. Yeah, I was, was yeah. going to say it was a weird name for an Italian lady to have, Betty. Um, so she um goes back to the stage manager's house. They end up boning, and then they have like the weirdest like post-coital conversation I've ever heard, where she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so bad. I just can't get this r- right," or something. <laughs> Like, and he's like, oh, no, you were fine. But it's like, what are you? What? <laughs> what, what kind of conversation is this? Um, but anyway, so, you know, there he's like, oh, whatever. I'm going to go get something to drink. Um, you know, you just hang out here. So he goes to get something to drink. And as she's just like hanging out, um, the killer guy pops out, um, ties her to a pillar in the room. Because, of course, this is like, you know, the, the stage manager guy is this like gargantuan cavernous apartment that has like 30 foot cathedral ceilings and like all of these like Roman pillars in the middle of it and stuff. Anyway, so she gets tied to one of these like Roman pillars. He gags her and he puts these bizarre things on her eyes. That's like a big piece of scotch tape with like a bunch of needles in it. And he sticks it to her bottom eyelid and essentially so she can't close her eyes. Like if she if she closes her eyes, it'll stab into the needles and and make her bleed. Right. So he forces her to watch. Um. And so the guy comes back in, sees her like tied up, and, and you know doesn't think anything's wrong, just walking towards her like, "What are you doing?" And so the killer guy comes out and stabs him to death, brutally. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like he stabs him in his hand a bunch of times, and like I mean, it's like it's it's a bad death. It's a bad death. Um, and he goes down and she has to watch the whole thing. And then after he's dead, he walks over to her and he cuts the rope that she's tied up with and he leaves. 
And so she just like runs out. And as is in all Argento movies, she doesn't tell the police. She doesn't tell anyone at all. Um, she basically is like tries to figure out what to do. And she's like hanging outside in the rain. Um, and then she meets up with the director guy who just happened to be, I don't know, driving around in the middle of the night. Um, and he's like, oh, you, you know, you look like something's wrong. Are you OK? And she's like, no, you know, it doesn't tell him what's going on. But just like, no, I, I'm afraid, you know, you got to come with me. It's like, OK. Yeah. So they go up to her apartment. They're just hanging out. And he keeps asking her, like, what is wrong with you? What is going on? <laughs> um, and so eventually she tells him that, like, oh, you know, this guy, killer guy, you know, forced me to watch the murder of the stage manager. And he's like, huh. That's interesting. Um, anyway, you good? Because I got to go back home. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, he's asking. He's like, well, I got, you know, I got somebody waiting for me. But, you know, if you want me to stay, I will. You know, like that kind of thing where he's definitely does not want to stay at all. But he's like, well, I will if you ask me to. And she's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. So <laughs> so he leaves and goes back home again. N- neither one of them calls the police or anything. Um, and she just decides to go back to work the next day. <laughs> Um, so she goes back to work um, and then she's, you know, obviously working with the um, the wardrobe lady who's like, yeah, somebody like, you know, cut your dress all up. Um, so we got to like fix it. So she's like hanging out with her in this like huge room. Like if she's like one lady doing all the wardrobe, I don't know why she needs this giant room with all these sewing machines. Um, well, she was she, she was like an assistant one. She wasn't the dress designer, she said. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I don't know why anybody needed all that room, but anyway. Um, So she is like, okay, we got to fix it. And she's like, I don't know, cutting off the jewels and sewing back on other ones, whatever. And she's like, oh, you got to stay here because you got to try this on because I have to change so much that it might change the fit. We have to make sure it still fits you. Um, So she's like going back and forth. She's like, you know, looking for this gold um, bracelet thing that's hanging off of it. That's got like an old kind of worn out date on it. Um, and there she's trying to figure it out. He's like, oh, I need a magnifying glass to see this. Like, you know, let me go find a magnifying glass. So she's looking all over the place. Um, and she goes in this other room um, looking for the magnifying glass. She finds a magnifying glass and she's like, oh, look, it's it's like a date or something. Um, and then she comes back in the room and <laughs> uh, Betty is now tied up in like one of these like glass display cases um, again, tied up gagged with the tape and needles on her eyes um and he again murders the wardrobe lady um she manages to fight back a little bit at least but yeah again she's still brutally murdered um i mean she gets stabbed like a lot yeah (laughs) and she just has to watch the whole thing it's you know like all this murder happens um and again after the murder is done he opens up the glass case cuts the rope and then leaves. And so, yeah, she comes out this time and she's like, you know, she goes back to the director guy as essentially like, oh, yeah, he just killed the, the wardrobe lady. And he's like, oh, wow, that sucks. Uh, so, yeah, we're still going to have a show tomorrow. <laughs> Again, and it's like, oh, OK, that doesn't seem like a great idea, but sure. Um. Uh, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of where where did it go after that? Um, 
Well, okay. No, that's yeah. okay. Now, now, now she goes back to her apartment. And now at this point in time, she actually does tell the police. Right. Um, and so the police, uh, the, the guy, the one who was like her kind of sort of fan in the beginning, um, basically says, okay, well, I'm going to go like try to find this killer. I'm going to leave one of my guys here um, to protect you. Um, here's the guy's name. Only let this guy in. You know, he's going to watch over you until I get back. And it's she calls her friend slash agent to come and, and sit with her, you know, because she's scared. Um, so the cop guy comes up, um, you know, he whatever says the name that, you know, she was told to wait for. Um, he comes in, but she like just put eye drops in her eyes so she can't see him. So it's like she all she can see is a big blur. Um, so he just kind of goes in this other room and, and sits there. And then her friend comes in. Um, and they're discussing the whole thing. And then they kind of start thinking like, Hey, like, how do we know that this guy is the real cop? Because there's a, there's a cop downstairs that said he was the same guy asking me a whole bunch of questions. She's like, so how do we know which one is the real cop? And they start like freaking out like, Oh, what do we do? Which way do we go? Like, we can't stay here because this one's here. We can't go out because the other guy's out in the hallway. Um, you know, what do we do? So they decide to just like, grab a knife and go hide in the kitchen. Um, so they're hiding in there. Um, the one guy uh, that was in the apartment, you know, basically leaves because somebody calls the, the room and he talks to him and he goes, Oh no, something happened. And he leaves. Um, so when they come out again, the, you know, the, they close and lock the door and the one lady's like looking, <laughs> somebody else comes back saying it's him again. And the one like her friend lady is like looking through the peephole saying like, hey, you know, we don't know it's you. Show us some ID. And he's like trying to show the ID. And she's like, I can't see it. And he's like, look, here's my gun. Um, You know, and she's like, well, yeah, anybody could have a gun. And then he just shoots through the peephole (laughs) and just takes her out. Just like right through her eyeball, just dead. Yep. Um, So she is now like freaking out like she doesn't know what to do. So she runs back in her room. Um, and the power is out at this point in time. Um, and she somehow turns her radio on. Like they show her like hitting a switch in the back that turns it on. Like, I don't know if it's got a battery backup or something. Maybe I don't, I don't know what was going on. I'm like, okay, the power is out. Why did, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I wasn't big in stereo equipment back then. Maybe there was some kind of battery backup. I don't know. Um, so she's like trying to figure out what to do. And she's like, Oh, I know I'll pretend like I jumped out the window. So she like ties a sheet, uh, to the window and hangs it out and then like throws a pillow down, which explodes, which I don't know how pillows explode, but it explodes. Um, and then she like goes in hides behind a curtain. So the, the killer guy comes in, um, looks and sees, Oh, like you must've jumped out the window. So he runs out. Um, and then she, basically finds out that like this little girl that lived in the apartment next door has been spying on her through her vents. Um, and now that she sees the killer is gone, she opens the vent. And she's like, come on, get in here. We got to go. So they go into the vent and they crawl through um, and they go to her apartment. Um, and then the killer manages to find out how, where she went. So he crawls into the vent as well. Um, and she gets into the other apartment and the mom is just upset that she's there and just tells her to leave immediately. Um, so she does. Um, and that just kind of 
uh, ends at that point to where, you know, she gets away and she gets back to the, um, the opera because she didn't know where else to go. You know, she's like, this is the only place I feel safe. This is my home is the opera. So I want to stay here. And the, the director guy is there and he's like, Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, you can just like sleep here in your dressing room or whatever. That's fine. But I got a plan. <laughs> like we're still going to have the show tomorrow, but I have a plan and how we're going to figure out who the killer is. And she's like, well, how do you know he's going to be at the show? He's like, Oh, trust me. He'll be there. Okay. So we cut to the show <laughs> and she's singing, um, you know, on the stage, uh, basically in the middle of the song, um, they throw the cage of ravens out through the like whatever the backdrop is. They throw yeah. the cage of ravens out there and open it up. And the plan is that these ravens, because they already had an interaction and an attack with this killer, they're going to know who he is and they're going to go right to him and attack. Him. Um, so, of course, the plan you know, goes off without a hitch. The birds are flying all over the place and they attack the person in the crowd who the killer is. And it is, uh, the cop guy who is like literally in like two scenes yep. <laughs> up until this point and had like maybe three lines. I mean, it was like nothing. There's no way you can figure out that this guy was the killer, but now he is. Um, and so the birds pluck out his eye <laughs> Um, but he's still going and there's like a bizarre scene of like they show the birds like chewing on his eye and then like they yeah. keep like swallowing it and then spitting it back up it's it's weird and gross um, <laughs> but anyway so yeah they they're like running she's like running and trying to get away from this guy he ends up catching up to her in like i don't know the records room there's a bunch of paper everywhere um and he's basically says like oh i don't want to hurt you um, I just want to like, you know, kill myself near you. <laughs> um, right. So he ties her up, but this time he doesn't want her to watch this time. He wants to blindfold her because he just wants to end everything. So he covers himself and everything in the room, <coughs> sorry, in gasoline. Um, and then he lights himself on fire and lights everything else in the room on fire. Um, and so she manages to escape, you know, get out of the, um, the thing well actually she shoots him because he gives her a gun and he's like go ahead and shoot he like tells her like okay you know up down left right you know okay perfect shoot me um and then when she shoots um you know apparently that was supposed to have killed him and she manages to get out by shooting the rope that's tying her um so she can get out and everything's on fire at this point so she just barely gets out of the room um and i think yes. the director guy helps her whatever um, and so they're all like, you know, happy now. We cut to, I don't know, months later or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah and she's like sharing a little cottage in the middle of nowhere uh, with the director guy who is filming a fly tied to a string. <laughs> uh, or something. I don't know what he's doing, but he's, yeah, he's filming a fly tied to a string with his like home video camera. Um, so she goes outside to like enjoy um nature whatever i don't know what she's doing and she see we see like two german shepherds like run by in the distance um and then we see the director guy is watching tv and they basically find out that um when they finally sifted through all the wreckage of the opera they found out that what they thought was that guy's body was really just a mannequin 
and that guy was not they didn't find his remains in the opera at all so now he's at large and he apparently escaped and is you know dangerous and at large um and so he like screams to her like hey they haven't caught the guy we have to be careful um and i think something happens to where he's like he's already here yeah somehow he's already there yeah i don't remember something happened where yeah he knew that he was already there anyway um so she like looks up see the killer is like comes out running after her um and so they're like chasing each other around um the grass the director guy comes out tackles him to try to save her uh he gets stabbed a whole bunch of times um i'm guessing he dies they're not really clear on that but whatever Pretty he's, sure he's dead yeah he gets stabbed <laughs> a lot and um, then she's like running into the forest and then all of a sudden like i don't even know like a hundred cops <laughs> pop up. Yeah. yeah i mean like we're talking like a hundred cops like dressed like soldiers like pop out of the woodwork everywhere all sort of pointing guns at his right yeah there's like helicopters and stuff yeah there's like they knock the guy on the ground and they like literally like are digging the gun into his forehead like as hard as they can um anyway and they're like oh yeah we knew you're out here and we knew he would come and get you so we sent everybody here she's like oh i know i saw your dogs (laughs) okay yeah yeah. why did you run at the dogs immediately then um so anyway yeah so he dies and then they're safe and there was a, a weird kind of i don't I, I don't even know when to bring this up because it's so bizarre I and goofy. i don't think he died he just got captured okay that's fair yeah um but yeah like the the weird backstory as to like why he did it it was yeah. like it, it's it's like piecemeal throughout the thing but it doesn't make any sense even at the very end when they tell you everything it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense but apparently um the betty's mom was like a psychopath like she was a singer too but she was like a a sadistic singer like she loved to control people and apparently the cop guy was like one of her like servants like boy toy servants as a teenager as a teenager and like he always wanted to like you know make love to her and she never let him because she was just like, you know, loved the the control aspect of it. And so he was like obsessed with Betty because Betty looked and sounded exactly like her mom. And so he was like finally going to be able to 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 make love to her because he could make love to his to daughter. Well, also, she was also her mom was telling him to kill young girls. Too. Right. Yeah. Again, it's, the whole backstory doesn't make a whole lot of sense i understand they, they have to give him something as to why he's doing it but like yeah like that whole backstory doesn't make a lot of sense that's why i didn't want to put too much of it in there because like i just get lost <laughs> i figured right. i'd just put like a uh an epilogue <laughs> at the end of like what it is because it doesn't make sense as to why he was doing it but yeah essentially he was doing it to like um get back at her mom but also like live out his fantasies with her mom through her also she frees a lizard at the end and tells it to go free yes for no reason <laughs> and that's how the movie ends right but it was like a lizard <laughs> that was just sitting there with a stick on it like lady i'm You're a lizard trapped. yeah lady yeah. i'm a lizard i think i could get a stick off of me. yeah <laughs> uh, uh but yeah that's it uh, what well, i mean obviously new to you as well what what were your first thoughts on this um I liked it. I mean, it was, uh, I think the kills were a little bit more brutal in this one. 
than yes. they were in in some in most of the other movies. Like there's usually like one pretty brutal kill in each one, but this one it's like they all felt pretty brutal. Um, like there was like a like extended like bloody stabbing scenes in like every single one of them. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a little bit more brutal, a little bit more harsh. Yeah, yeah, uh, that the seamstress swallowed that date chain and like he carves it out of her neck like right. cuts her open and pulls it out of her neck yeah like i said he's like stabbing her for like a long time it's like yeah it's like uncomfortably long it's like <laughs> what is happening yeah i mean this is definitely more brutal and another thought was all right so they made macbeth an opera but there's plane wreckages <laughs> well that's like you know yeah, but that was they talked a little bit about that. It was like people were like the the things they didn't like was like his direction and and the the weird design that he did with it. But people do that all the time. Like if well, you look at a, like yeah. like modern interpretations of Shakespeare, like they put them in modern clothes. Like look at Romeo and Juliet. Right. The one with uh, uh you know, DiCaprio and uh Claire Danes. Like right. there was like guns and stuff that was set in like the modernish day. It's again, but they still had the same uh speaking right they had the same right. lines and all that it was just they put it in a modern thing so that's not anything new people always do that to try to like keep it relevant um so that's that that doesn't surprise me at all that they would do that well he said that the director was like a horror movie guy before this play right right no i mean oh i mean music other than the opera music i don't necessarily care for but the other music was still spot on yeah, no, it was definitely. And right. and having watched the previous three movies, I'm like, okay, when when's she gonna die and the guy gonna take over as the protagonist? <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, this one actually stuck with the same protagonist through most of it. It's surprising. And and the the killer didn't die. Like the cops actually arrested him, and I was very surprised by that. Well, yeah, but yeah, again, <laughs> the only time the cops were that were involved was because he was the bad guy. That's the only I reason how he was there. But otherwise, like, she didn't even tell people about the first two murders. Uh, he's dead. Right. It's like, about what? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to go home. Like, what yeah. is what? But again, I, I don't know. It's a common thing in Argento's. I, don't, I just don't think Argento likes cops. Yeah, very fair assessment. Right. Uh, what are your highlights of this movie? Uh, highlights, uh, again, I'm going to say like, I liked how brutal and harsh this one was and like it, yeah. the kills were like just savage in this one. They did, they didn't pull any punches in this one. It was, I felt like there was kind of the peak of the kills so far. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, there was a Rick roll in this movie. Was there? Yeah. It was when, uh, the director guy was talking to his like actual girlfriend they had music on in the background. Yeah. Yep. Rick Astley was playing. Oh, that's right. <laughs> they mentioned it too. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would say the, the Rick roll appearance was, was fun because again, this is 87. <laughs> that's the year right. it came out. So that yeah. was fun. Yeah. I, I found it very, very interesting. Number one, giant vents that, a grown woman and a child are able to go side by side and crawl through for air that is a very poor uh hvac system there 
Okay. Well, yeah, she was also a tiny woman. Yeah. <laughs> she was like a hundred pound woman. She was a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree. The kills were definitely more brutal. And I found it very interesting that on her, on her mixer or, you know, her, uh, system right her sound system that cd came up yep and she well she actually had a cd that she was playing which in, know, which in 1987 meant she had some big money that's a like huge ass apartment top of the line sound system. <laughs> All right. well to be fair she's an opera singer like i guess i could see you if you're gonna spend a lot of money on something it's probably gonna be music stuff Right. So, I mean, I guess that's fair. But, yeah, I mean, we're talking a CD player in 1987. <laughs> that's that's a lot of money. It was probably a $1,000 then. That <laughs> I wouldn't right doubt it. Money. I would not so doubt it. So we're talking about like $5,000 now, probably. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, the, the attention the attention detail was pretty good. And uh, we know that Fulci is more of the eye guy, but there was... Especially like the needles to the eye, that was very Fulci esque when, when she's being captured the entire time, so she wouldn't look away. Yeah, and obviously she blinked because there was blood on on the needles. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like yeah, they definitely like yeah, of course. Well, your eyes are going to try to close. I mean, like you try to right. blink, that's like a you know involuntary. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it. I felt like it did capture. All that stuff pretty well. So right. Um, what about low points for you? Um uh, low points of the damn birds. Um, they were <laughs> so freaking loud, and they were like there's so many scenes of just the birds going, ah, 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 the whole time. It's like, shut up, we get it. I understand. Like, I totally felt the diva lady in the beginning when she's like, shut these damn birds up. I'm like, Yes, please shut the birds up. Yeah, I probably would have left too. Um, yeah, and then like it was, I think it was just unnecessary for the guy to like stab the birds. Like they have like these bizarre <laughs> scenes of like stabbing birds. I'm like, why? <laughs> what is the point of that? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. It felt like you know, all of a sudden Argento is like, I got animal money. <laughs> I'm right. gonna put animals in all my stuff. Oh yeah, I, I don't. I forgot to talk about in Deep Red the weird songbird murder moment. Yeah. Where she literally killed a songbird with a knitting needle because she was yep. scared of it. Yes. Dear Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you, no. Yeah, animal money. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the birds were annoying. The murder of the birds was unnecessary. Um, and also, I'm just not a big fan of opera. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of it in this movie, which is kind of annoying. I mean, again, that's the re- the movie was great. I'm not saying it was bad at all. I'm just saying, like, a little less opera or turn it down a little bit would have been uh, fantastic. Yes. I found it very weird that, you know, all that kerfuffle with the lights happen and people are like, all right, no, the show's going on. Don't investigate anything about this. It's fine. Right. Well, I'm saying like there was a guy clearly up there pulling, yeah. pulling the lights back up by their wire to the place where they fell from, which the yeah. guy was hanging dead, like two feet away from him. Yes. And nobody said nothing. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That that was weird. I think I think the Argento movies take place in like an alternate universe where the police are like even worse than they are in our world. <laughs> and like everybody so many people die all the time that just don't really care. They're just not bothered by it. Yeah. 
All right. So, uh, how many ceremonial daggers out of ten do you give this movie? Um, this one I will give uh eight point five ceremonial daggers out of ten. You think I'm, it was the best one of the bunch? Yeah, I think it was the best one out of these four. Yeah. I don't think it's the best Argento movie, but I think it's no. the best one out of these four. No, I mean, I agree. I think a solid 8.5 is in place. Like I said, opera is not our, our type of thing, but when it wasn't opera music, it was still pretty damn good music. Oh, yeah. No, there was, yeah, there's definitely the, the Goblin soundtrack as there normally is. Um, and that was great. It was just, yeah, there was just a lot of opera, which, again, the movie is about an opera. So, yes, of course they're going to. Right. No, yeah, it, it, it definitely he had animal money and he had a budget to make every you feel every kill. Yeah, like I guess he's never was, had before. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was. It was interesting. Yeah. Cool. Won't you uh, end this out here, sir? All right. Next week, prepare to squirm. Prepare to be uncomfortable as we dive into some choice 70s raw films, including I Spit on Your Grave, The Last House on Your Left, Don't Go in the Basement, and Axe. Um, and remember, we watch bad movies so you don't have to. All right, so this has been Graveyard saying, Have you checked on the children? This is Salem saying, Long live the new flesh. Good night. Good night.